0: Gary Hoffman. Yeah. the baby <laughs> Shannon Barron. I too I'm not gonna brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. A... Gary and Shannon. A... Me and Mrs. Jones.
1: strong case to be made for this song.
2: Oh, this and, definitely has to be it. And as soon
1: as it started, Gary's oh, face lit up, he smiled, wrong. I could sense a, a mood lift, wrong. which means this could be the song that made Gary. Back in 1972, Love in the Air. We meet every day at the same cafe. Go
3: on, you're ruining all of... Uh, the,
1: the record, the vinyl... The crackling.
3: It was probably a track.
1: A track. Yeah. Oh, so you were made track. in a car?
3: No, you can have an eight track at
0: home. Oh,
1: don't usually. Yeah. People... but most commonplace was the car, though. Yeah. We're... I mean, it's fine if you are made in a car. We yeah.
2: had an eight track
1: in I'm the. judging. Uh, no many, one's judging. Many good people are... were conceived in cars. Yeah, many, many good people. Huge this is, numbers of people. This is Joe. Made in cars.
2: So, Blake, you're going to have to explain the choice for our Flashback Friday. Well, the easy yeah. would be, because today is your 45th birthday. Yes, thank you. So, the easy one would have been 1973. Right. But we decided to go a little deeper. And so, uh,
3: Can we find some other way to put
1: that?
2: Go about uh, nine, nine and a half months back and start uh We're going conception date instead. Conception we're trying to, date. We're trying to figure out... Gary's Conception. So song. what did you so,
3: figure? What was the, like, the most march? likely
2: conceived between April 3rd and the
1: 13th. Ooh, rainy days.
2: So we're, uh, we're starting in, staying a- in, we're starting early April and we're just working back from there and we're going for all the, uh,
1: staying in at home. Yeah. The older kids are in school. No. Preschool.
3: Maybe kindergarten.
1: Maybe they're playing in the backyard. I don't down know. Down for a nap. Yeah. Down for a nap. So play along with us on Twitter at Gary and Shannon. Listen to the musical selections and vote.
3: Uh, okay.
1: <sighs> Is this not a good day? No, to it's play? fine. Okay. It's just
3: making it what was supposed to be a fun, happy day now being defiled.
1: It's going to be still fun and happy. We're going to eat pizza.
3: You want to call my dad and ask him? What's no,
1: on the back? don't make me embarrassed. Okay. I only do it on the radio. I do it. Don't don't make me talk to him in real life.
3: Well, what are we going to do today? Well, we Uh, have
1: a huge packed show, including Silicon Valley's secretive orgy dark side. Oh, great. We're going to go into that. Okay. (laughs) Also, our future in pot here in California. What the California officials are vowing to do to save our... Right to buy recreational pot. We've got terror in the skies coming up. You won't believe what a man did on a flight to Anchorage. I love it. I mean, I know those lavatories are small. Yeah. And they're getting smaller, too. It's hard to fit in those. It's hard to do your business in those.
3: That's why you got to do your business in the terminal.
1: But even if... Just in terms of... Okay, so even if you didn't do your business in the terminal and you didn't do it in the lavatory and you did your business in your seat... Would you then do this with said business? Probably not. Also, you talked about this with Handel. Yeah. The cracking of the perfection facade yeah. of your New England Patriots. This is like an a, a episode from The Young and the Restless.
3: I've always, I've always felt like the Patriots were the Yankees of football. At, at least in the last, say, in terms 10 or 15 like, years, yeah. there's, you either love them or you hate No one is neutral about the the New England Patriots. No
1: one. I am. Really? I don't hate them just right. because they're winners, and I d- certainly don't love them. Uh, they're a good football team. They, Belichick's a genius. It, it works like a nice, well-oiled machine. It used to. It used to. But we'll tell you all about that coming up. Gas Fantasy 4 play. Is here, and uh, we've got gas on the movies, because Mo's out, so we've just changed it today. <laughs> gas on the oh,
3: movies. we're going to talk a lot about the Golden Globes. They're coming up this weekend, speaking of movies and stuff, because this is going to kick off what will be a ridiculously political awards season. Well,
1: and will they even have parties? Because everyone kept taking their penis out of their pants, so will Hollywood no, no one... stop throwing parties to, to avoid that? No
3: one took their... The parties, I don't think, were the issue.
1: Oh, I'm sure there were a lot of uh, genitals coming out at those parties. Anyway,
3: so we'll do that in the one o'clock hour. Um, uh, There's uh, a lot to go on. Okay, Michael Wolf is the guy who wrote Fire and Fury. Michael Wolf is the author who wrote the book that is going to be the hottest selling book of the entire weekend. It wasn't supposed to come out until next Tuesday. The Guardian newspaper out of uh, London got a preview copy of it. I don't know how, and they haven't said how. They said they bought it off a bookshelf in New England, even though it wasn't supposed to be on the shelf. And in this book is a teardown of what's going on in the White House. It deals with interviews, uh, some named interviews, some unnamed sources, etc., about what has become a, uh, man, I don't even know, a firestorm, uh A mess inside the West Wing. It
1: is delicious. I'll tell you that. It reads like a tabloid. Take that from that what you will. Either you love that or you hate that and you don't think it should be applied to the presidency. There was another book that came out a couple years ago about the White House. And I forget who wrote it. I should have looked it up before the show. But it just hit me that it kind of reminds me of it. Uh, A a woman wrote a book uh, about the White House, about several different administrations. She had talked to the staff who had worked inside the White House, and they gave up details like the details you're going to read if you read the Michael Wolf Fire and Fury book. Anecdotal details. Real life stuff. Um, how Jackie Kennedy wanted to change the China and spend so much money doing so. And what was her motivation behind that? Why was it so important to her? Things like that. things, Personal details you want to learn about the people who lead these public lives. You don't hear all of the real human details. This book is is written similarly. Unfortunately for the president, the details that are coming out about him are not very flattering. And a lot of people who are in the president's corner are mad at this guy. They're saying he's making things up. But maybe the details just aren't flattering. When you have somebody that is made of money and has been made of power and privilege their entire lives, guess what? They don't come out being perfectly smelling roses sometimes they're ugly people or or they're just not developed emotionally and a lot of the details are showing that
3: yeah and they would and they would go to that end now michael wolf was on the today show today and sat down with i think it was savannah guthrie was doing the interview and went through a whole series of sort of pushbacks when these when, when some of these uh tidbits from this book came out about steve bannon referring to the The meeting with the Russian lawyer is treasonous and saying that that Ivanka was as dumb as a brick and that the president is afraid of eating anywhere other than McDonald's because he doesn't want to be poisoned. I mean, it's – there are things in there that are – none of it is new, by the way. None of it is – ground shaking you know it's not it's not breaking any new ground here
1: we've heard all of this about the president before but about how he's narcissistic he doesn't read he watches a lot of cable news he likes instant or constant gratification like you said it's none of it's new i haven't read no. one thing where i'm like oh
3: I mean, it's, it's salacious and it's right. You know, neat. I guess if you if you want if you're if you're hungry for information about what's going on in this White House, or if you hate this is feeding you,
1: or if you hate this White House, right? This is pleasure reading. Is, you
3: you downloaded this thing this morning and started yeah, reading and it you're already. you're sitting if you there
1: this. with the smug smile, yeah. giggling to yourself.
3: You're eating your uh, locally sourced chai tea or something like that. Ooh. eating or drinking? Farm I'm to table drinking. chai. Yeah. So anyway. This is um, we'll go through some of these cuts from this interview today because I think it's interesting to hear Michael Wolf's version of this some of which he's compl- I mean he's speaking out of his butt in some of this stuff but I wanted to give Michael Wolf some of the uh, some of the floor here
0: not only is he helping me sell books by the way he's, he's
3: asking about why this lawsuit the, the lawsuit that the president has threatened I mean he's written a letter he hasn't filed a lawsuit Uh, Why it is helping Michael Wolff.
0: Not only is he helping me sell books, but he's helping me prove the point of the book. I mean, this is extraordinary that a president of the United States would try to stop the publication of a book. This doesn't happen, has has not happened from other presidents, would not even happen from a CEO of a mid-sized company. And Uh, we told
1: you yesterday that it's odd that the president would try to stop the publication of this book, based on defamation or libel because and this is why no president has ever tried that we know of it's impossible to sue for that when you're a public person those lawsuits fall flat on their face it doesn't happen
3: well and the the idea that actual malice had been that was the term they used actual malice had been caused against the president uh, it's it's hard to make that argument, and it, like you said, impossible, I think is probably the better word, to make that argument in court.
1: You can't prove is, what was going on inside Michael Wolf's mind. The other thing is,
3: what is he talking about, that uh, the, a manager of a mid-level company would never sue to get a book? Of course they would. That, that's silly of course they would if they felt like it was ruining their brand and the president fully believes that he is the owner of the trump brand of course they're going to sue it depends how
1: public that person right? is though well, you know what i mean if you're think, steve jobs you can't do that
3: i think the calculus of it is do you file a lawsuit like the president has threatened to do and then draw more attention to the book we talked yesterday about the fact that This was 44,000th on Amazon's list before it got caught up in the Guardian newspaper and then rocketed to
1: number one
3: and is going to make this guy millions of dollars.
1: It's only mildly interesting to me what's in this book, and I'll tell you why. When we brought up the Kitty Kelly books yesterday, I devoured the Killy, Kitty Kelly books because that was 20 years ago. That was back before social media. You didn't know what was going on in these people's lives. You didn't know the way they thought. You didn't know how they acted. It was before 24-hour cable news. When she put out those books about the Reagans and about Frank Sinatra and the Royals, I dev- everyone devoured those. It was like, oh, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. What don't we know about President Trump? Right. He's on Twitter 24 hours a day. We see him be himself in interviews and press conferences. It's almost odd when he's not himself totally. We know this guy. We know how he treats people. We know how he interacts with people. We know the power struggles that are in this White House. None of this is new. So I really don't understand why there's so much publicity about it. There hasn't been one nugget that's come out that's been like, oh, I I need to hear more about that. To that end,
3: wasn't that the reason a lot of people voted for him? was because he wasn't caught up in the political facade. He wasn't going to tell you one thing and then do another. At least that's what their belief was. We know that this is a known quantity that we're getting. We're not getting some polished politician who's going to who's going to try to couch their positions in in wonk speak so that it's confusing.
1: This isn't the first time people close to him in this administration have rolled on him. All right. Right. Look at all the leaks that have come out about the chaos and about Bannon and the power struggle between these two super powerful men. This isn't new. Now, yesterday I was wondering, how the hell did he sign off on this? How the hell did all of the president's people allow this guy to sit in the office, to hang around the West Wing and be a fly on the wall when he was clear with his intent to write a book? Uh, Politico ask that question as well. In fact, they drew lines to Michael Wolff's 2008 book, The Man Who Owns the News, Inside the Secret World of Ru- uh, Rupert Murdoch. If they were to read that book, and by the way, Rupert Murdoch talks to Jared Kushner and Trump all the time. If they were to reach out make a phone call and say, hey, we, th- this guy wrote a book about you. How did that go for you? They would have realized it didn't go well for Rupert Mur- Murdoch. And, and the whole fly-on-the-wall access would have been squashed. But One of the things that they wrote in in Politico is that the answer to that question is that Wolf appears to have mastered a journalistic skill that allows him to suck up at one moment and then when seated at this keyboard to spit out all the hate. And it got me thinking about that term, journalistic skill. Is it a journalistic skill to dupe someone to sit down and say, oh, Gary Hoffman, I think you're just the best. Oh, you're so good at what you do. And so to get you talking to me and talking about all the things I want to know about you personally and then then me turn around and write a hit piece on you or or not even just a hit piece, but. But give up details about your life that I know will come back to hurt you. Is that journalism? No
3: and I think you see that not only in you know political journalism but you would see it in sports journalism as well where a, a reporter cozies up to a young player or something like that hey you're the ne- you're the second coming of Tom Brady just for context sake you're you know you're gonna be great and then is then connected to that player. Uh, And gets information from that player, whether it's about the team or the front office or their schemes, whatever's going on, and uses that information, even though they have no general, no no real interest in whatever that player is. I mean, and it's not necessarily a hit piece against the player, but it uses that player by using that loose term journalistic strategy. Now,
1: I know it's a producer skill. Sure. I, I don't think anything bad about Oscar calling up somebody and saying, Hey, Gary and Shannon really want to talk to you uh, about your um, farm-to-table chai latte that uh, uh, business where you charge $25 a cup. They really want to talk to you so we could have the person in here and be like, What are you doing? Right. Why are you trying to fleece people with this goop baloney?" right? Or,
3: or somebody who's doing a sit-in at Occidental College but, uh, president's office.
1: Right, but producing is not... <laughs> Journalism. There's there's a there's a line there. Well, it's because when people call themselves journalists, there is an understanding that that person is completely objective. No agenda. Just the facts, ma'am.
3: Let me just in that context about this guy's access. Sean Spicer was the press secretary at the time, and he talked with ABC News about this uh, about this guy. He contacted me and said that he was writing a book on the president, wanted to introduce himself to me and request an interview with the president. Uh, So I afforded him that courtesy. I spoke to him uh, several times about questions that he had. Now, one of the things that Sean Spicer is quoted as saying in the book was, again, not a surprise, but basically you can't make this S up. And that was in reference to his second day on the job when he was defending the president's uh, tweets, I believe it was, about the size of the inauguration crowd. You can't make this S up, which then I guess is supposed to paint uh, Sean Spicer as a sort of a hands in the air kind of guy who had no idea what was going on. We talked with Sean Spicer. He knew damn well what was going on. He knew what he was getting into. He probably had figured that he was going to last more than uh, eight months, but he knew what he was getting into. Now, back to what Michael Wolf said about the questions of his credibility. We'll get to that in a second, but I also have. A thousand bucks, I want to give you.
0: Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword luck to 200, 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's luck to 200, 200.
3: If you play, and by the way, I don't know why you wouldn't, make sure that you answer the phone within the next hour.
1: That wasn't your $1,000.
3: Well, not mine. That was a lie. But I.
1: I thought we were going to be honest in the new year.
3: You made that resolution, not I.
1: Oh, right. Yes.
3: One of us has to stay with their toe in the bad water. Anyway, uh, so make sure you answer the phone because if you uh, are the winner, they will call you from a number that you probably don't recognize. It may be up to an hour or two. Yeah, and if you don't answer, then uh, tough noogies. Mm -mm. Michael Wolfe is the the author of Fire and Fury, was on the Today Show today. And one of the questions that has come up before about – about Michael Wolf is his credibility, his uh, willingness to stretch the truth a bit when it
0: comes to specific quotes. I am certainly and absolutely in every way comfortable with everything I've reported in this book.
2: Would you release any of those recordings since your credibility is being questioned? I,
0: my, my credibility is being cre- questioned by a man who has less credibility than perhaps anyone who has ever walked on uh, earth at this
3: point. Okay, right there. Important point.
1: He just lost his credibility because he didn't say yes. It was dumb because you know what that line told me is that he does have an axe to grind. Of course, yes, and and that's when it was like, oh, see, I wish he didn't say that because that took away any little morsel of objectivity, and it just threw it away.
3: If there was, if there was ever a chance for this guy, uh, let me rephrase that. If there was ever a chance for people who hate President Trump. To make something out of this book, that was the opportunity right there for the guy to go. Absolutely. I will give NBC News all of my recordings. I will prove to you that I spent three hours with the president over the course of post inauguration into his first year presidency. Uh, I have conversations with Hope Hicks. I have conversations with uh, with uh, Katie. The uh,
1: former deputy chief of staff. It's okay. Uh, but listen, he didn't even have to turn over all of those things. He didn't even have to show any proof. All he needed to do in that interview was not take a single shot at the president. Just don't take a shot. Yeah. Rise above it. And just
3: say, listen, I'm I'm comfortable reporting. I was both surprised and... Heartened by certain things I saw and was frustrated and upset with other things I saw. NBC News, uh, after their interview and the publications that they've done, the writing that they've done, they said that they have not confirmed much of the book. I don't know anybody, any news organization that has. I don't
1: know how you would be able to confirm certain details, though.
3: Well, you would go to the people – I would assume their version of it would be they would go to Hope Hicks or they would go to Steve Bannon and say, did you say but a lot of
1: it is under the guise of people who work for Trump in Washington who can't believe they're working for Trump? They're trying to make that make sense in their own heads and hearts. Right. How the hell am I working for the president? Well, he is the president of the United States, but it is Donald Trump. And it's it's hard for people to. uh To make those two things make sense, and and I can understand why. I mean, for people who hate the president but yet have a a huge respect for the office, I can understand where they would fight with themselves internally about working for him. And I got from from the Hollywood Reporter piece and for all the things that have come out about this book that those are the majority of people that he spoke with, people that love working in Washington, that have made careers out of it, that are happy to serve the country, that are happy to cut throats on their way to the top – But are not happy that they're doing it for this guy. Right.
3: Um, One of the things that, that has come up is this guy's credibility. And I said this before. We talked before about his book called Burn Rate from 1998. And in its review, there was a media journal called Brill's Content. When they did their review, and again, this is immediately after the book comes out. They said that there were 13 people depicted in that book as saying that Wolf either invented or changed quotations, that they couldn't recall his taking any notes or recording their interviews.
1: But big difference. Burn notice was about burn rate. rate, Excuse me. Burn rate was about his own startup. Right. Completely different ball game. It was about a startup where he struggled to get financing from big money people. He ended up walking away from it, and it was a disaster. And he wrote about how startups get money, the investors they have to rely on, and all that. It was personal. It was about his life, his his startup, his inner workings with the people that he was trying to get money from. Okay. I think that's different.
3: It is well it totally is because but it also it establishes to me, it establishes a pattern that this guy is a highfalutin, wannabe New York uh you know, the the best table in the restaurant kind of guy. And he's he never really caught on. I mean, he wanted to be in those circles with people like um Donald Trump, but he never made it. So that might be part of the axe that he has it to could grind be, yeah. politically. Um, are you, So you, you've you already said you love the Kitty Kelly stuff. Oh, yeah. Are you going to get this one? Do you care? No,
1: because as I said earlier, I already know this guy. Yeah. I already know Donald Trump. I already know what he does, his actions. I've heard anecdotes after anecdotes. I have no curiosity left for what, for what goes on in his mind and how he deals with people. That was the beauty of, of those books because they were before social media and they were before, uh, you know, exhaustive interviews and things like that.
3: We do have more. We'll talk more about this in the uh, 1230 segment where we get into swamp watch I wanted to point out that the president today finally came up with a nickname for Steve Bannon as a result of all of this back and forth because of this book and whether Steve another Bannon third grade
1: level nickname.
3: The Mercer family. Um, I'm assuming that that's a Breitbart thing. I don't know exactly who the Mercer The family Mercer
1: family is. she's considered the first lady of the alt-right. She's a huge money alt-right supporter. Okay.
3: His tweet from a couple hours ago says the Mercer family recently dumped the leaker known as Sloppy Steve Bannon. So
1: she was supporting both Bannon and Trump, and she's decided to pick a side from what I read, and she's picked Trump's side and not Bannon's. Bannon's ship, by the way, is sinking. They think he might be out at Breitbart because a lot of people are choosing the president's side over Bannon.
3: Which is funny because he came out and, you know, <laughs> even if he was quoted in the book one way, he came out on his uh, in a radio interview and said, no, no. I'm behind President Trump. I'm a make America great again guy anyway. We will support his uh, his policies and all that. So, <laughs>
1: coming up next, terror in the skies. Oh, my God. The holiday travel horror season is not over. And who benefits? We do. <laughs> <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. We have been through the desert
2: on a horse with no name. It felt good to be out of the rain the desert you can't remember your name because ain't no
1: one to give you no pain la, 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 we're not going to do that all day <laughs> we're playing gary conception songs today for ten. gary's 45th birthday this these were the songs that were hits when gary was made uh you can get your bets in at gary and shannon on uh, which song it was.
3: A uh, quick follow-up before we get into uh, our Terror in the Sky stuff. AJ wrote on Twitter, I direct you to the prologue of the book before you start quoting the book. By the way, we didn't quote the book yet. No. Uh, also, uh, Skylar Felix uh, on Twitter, in the forward of the book, Wolf even says that some sources may have lied to him. But that it's up to the reader to decide. Why are you reporting on this if, as if it's all factual? The whole book is incredibly speculative. I'm, I'm pretty tell, sure listen.
1: we did that. Just
3: make your own decision. I'm not. I have not read the book. I'm not planning on reading the book. So if you are so moved as to get in there and and dig around and make your own decisions, then do so. And, yes, do read the introduction. I believe
1: the the takeaway was this is a guy who clearly has an axe to grind against the president. With credibility issues. The president let him in to his inner circle to be a fly on the wall, which was ridiculous. And now he's published a book about a bunch of stuff that's nothing new to us. Those were my big three.
3: I would would add, uh, I would say 2A would be if you've got the tapes, release them. If you got the tapes of the interviews, release them, because I mean that—that's the thing I think is going to make his case or not. Anyway, that's enough. What's going on above our heads?
2: Flight two zero nine, er, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough.
0: I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this. It's Gary and Shannon's terror in the skies on KFI. It's all over our heads.
1: Every yeah, was, single. Every single. Everything. That was over. poetic. Thank you. You're poetic.
0: In
3: my
1: old age, I didn't you say know what? it.
3: That's like the fourth time you've started a sentence and not finished it. Even though I know that the next thing you're going to say is in your old age. Because you say uh, this morning you said, "Oh, is that what we're going to do now?" You know, your old age?
1: I didn't say that. I I have not uttered the words in your old age Not out
3: loud. But I see that when your mouth still moves after you finish this sentence, you're looking directly at
1: me. Spirit Airlines.
3: Was a happy birthday. What about
1: dramatic, too? <laughs>
3: in our old age.
1: <laughs> a Spirit Airlines passenger was jailed after a fellow passenger said she was sexually assaulted while asleep on a flight from Vegas to Detroit. I'm going to pull the car over right there. Mm-hmm. That's a sad flight. Vegas to Detroit. Going
3: home. You're right. You know what I
1: mean? You're yeah. in Detroit. It's Detroit. You get to go to Vegas. You go to the Vegas. And you're, you're full of hopes and possibilities and Oh, my goodness, it's going to be glamorous and and glitzy. And then you have a a bad night at the D with uh, terrible B-side music, and you lose all your money at Pi Gow, and you're drinking bad champagne, and then you get on that Southwest flight. That sounds more like a personal story. It is.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is very detailed. That's why
1: it's so detailed.
3: Except for the Detroit part, I think a lot of it is true.
1: You get back on your flight, and where are you going? Home to Detroit. Yeah. So you fall asleep, right? You're depressed. You're tired. And then you wake up, and some guy's assaulting you. Uh,
3: a guy named Prabhu Ramamurthy has been charged with aggravated sexual abuse. This 22-year-old woman told authorities she's in a window seat, and she wakes up in the middle of, of the flight to her pants unbuttoned, her blouse unbuttoned, and his hand down her pants. Now, what a sicko. Um she immediately notifies, notifies flight attendant, obviously. Uh, she's completely upset. She's shaken. She's in tears. Prabhu told an FBI agent, yes, he did try to touch the woman inappropriately. Okay? He admitted to it. But he later changed his story saying, uh, actually, maybe I undid her bra while I was playing with it.
1: Doesn't get any better. No, that was not that that did not make it any better.
3: What kind of line of logic did he think that was going to the FBI agent was going to go? Oh, well, in
1: that case, well, let me cheer you up with another tear in the sky story. Thursday night, United Flight had to be diverted to Anchorage because of what this guy did. United Flight 895 from Chicago to Hong Kong had to go to Alaska. Because this passenger was. Smearing feces everywhere. Uh-oh. We have a winner. Adult male smeared the excrement within a couple of the bathrooms, took off his shirt, attempted to stuff it in the toilet. What do you think this is? Is this uh, Flacca? Is this bath salts? Is this uh, Chardonnay? What are I, we dealing with here?
3: I'm not certain if, if there's a way to... I don't know what label I would put on it. So you, I would, you go to the, the bathroom, bath salts.
1: you do your business... And then you take your business and start smearing it on the walls and then take your shirt off. I guess that's where I'm confused.
3: George Costanza would do that. They said that the, uh, the passenger was met by FBI agents and airport police uh, at the plane and was interviewed by both entities. Airport police said he was taken to Providence Hospital for a psych evaluation. Other than that, the Boeing 777 has been grounded, they said, grounded overnight for a maintenance. Mm, I
1: feel for that guy. I really do. Why? It's just a bad way to go out. You know, you're in a bathroom.
3: Oh, well, who would you rather
1: be? Pooping the guy? and then taking the poop and putting it on the walls and then taking your clothes off.
3: Would you rather be that guy explaining to your buddies like, hey, guys, I'm i not I'm not, not going to make it to dinner tonight. I'm in jail at Ted Stevens International Airport because uh, I've. I, Put a number two in lavatory number one.
1: I don't think that's a story you can ever unveil well, what what
3: what about Prabhu? If you... Bra- Prabhu's wife, by the way, Prabhu's wife was sitting right next to him while he's leaned o- to the right of him while he's leaned over to the left doing this to this 22-year-old woman.
1: So you think the wife was like a Dottie Sandusky I have... if she knew what was going on?
3: Or she was asleep as well. I don't know. I have no idea.
1: Who would you rather be, Prabhu or feces man? Species, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. All right, coming up next. quite a Hobson's choice. <laughs> the downfall of the Patriots has begun. I was trying to sound dramatic. Oh.
3: I, we like have had dramatic ESPN.
1: Music. You needed that dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right.
3: You need football let me, music? Yeah. Le- can is? I try it again? Uh, let me see if I can get it up here. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and uh, start thinking about exactly what it is that you want to say. And Do you want Monday Night Football? Yeah, that's okay. fine. Good old Monday. All right.
1: Coming up next on the Gary and Shannon show, the downfall of the Patriots has begun. That was perfect. That is dramatic. Yeah.
3: Very dramatic. Uh-huh.
1: Ben Rocks on Twitter says, "Happy conception day, Gary." Okay, this is
0: not
3: conception day. <laughs> this is the day I came out.
1: This is the day you came out.
3: Uh, we are going to do Gas Fantasy Four Play again today. Get back on that train, since there will be four games this weekend—a wild card weekend. You're going to have uh, Tennessee at Kansas City Saturday more or Saturday afternoon. Atlanta here to take on the Rams on Saturday night. And then Buffalo-Jacksonville first thing Sunday. Carolina at New Orleans on Sunday afternoon. So I was kind of hoping there would be some weather as As bad as the weather is... Like for example, if Jacksonville you know, was playing in Buffalo, that would be a ridiculous game. It's
1: it's fun to watch for ten minutes, but it's not football. They don't get to do what they normally do. Yeah, it just well, becomes
3: a ground assault. That game um, a couple of weeks ago in Buffalo, where they ended up, it was seven to nothing. Yeah, or whatever. I mean,
1: all I, all those games are good for us. To go, whoa! Look at that picture, and oh, I'm so glad I live in California. But in terms <laughs> of football, it's it's not very good. Um, Blake just said that it looks like John Gruden, what is it, 10 years, 100 million? Yeah. Holy hell. They're going to hold a press conference on Tuesday to make the announcement official. John Gruden back to the Raiders. Yesterday, did you hear the news about what Jack Del Rio did to Derek Carr after the Kansas City game? Did
3: he club his knee like Nancy Kerrigan?
1: They're in the locker room after the game, and Jack Del Rio calls out his starting star quarterback, and talked about how his play was crap in front of the whole team. Ooh. That is not done, and that is when the uh, that is when people started turning on Jack Del Rio. That's when the 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 wheels started being put in motion to get Gruden back. And there was another conspiracy theory that Gruden told um, uh, Mark Davis back in 2014 to draft Derek Carr and said I, that's who I want as my quarterback, and that Davis did that. In an effort to lure Gruden back.
3: It just took, he was playing the long game at that point. Wow. Well, uh, one of the greatest teams, (laughs) one of the greatest, any sport over the last couple of decades has been the New England Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick as their coach, and um, obviously Tom Brady as their quarterback, and they've had multiple Super Bowl wins. That incredible Super Bowl come from behind win from last year.
1: It has been a fine-oiled machine until now ESPN chose to wait to the eve of playoffs to drop this bomb on the Patriots organization the holy trinity of the Patriots all embroiled Robert Kraft Bill Belichick and Tom Brady
3: and the headline the headline on this article from Seth Wickersham is for Kraft Brady and Belichick Is this the beginning of the end?
1: Here is the story. (laughs) Everyone knows about Jimmy Garoppolo, the heir apparent, being dealt to the 49ers in October by Belichick.
3: And making the 49ers the hottest team at the end of the season.
1: Belichick knew Garoppolo was the second coming. He wanted to hold on to him. But Robert Kraft reportedly told Belichick, trade Garoppolo, trade Garoppolo. I believe in this fountain of youth that Tom Brady says he has found. We're sticking with Tom Brady. So Belichick said oh, really? You want me to trade uh, Garoppolo? Fine. He's not going to the Browns. I want to show you how I knew how good this kid was going to be. So he picked up the phone to Kyle Shanahan, who he has tremendous respect for in San Francisco because of his father, Mike Shanahan. They go back decades. And he found the best place for Jimmy Garoppolo to land, a place that would provide him with support, a place where Garoppolo would shine and prove Belichick right. And in effect, Making Brady and Kraft look like Jack great, Bottoms. Great
3: conspiracy theory. I don't, again, I just don't think it works on that many levels. I don't know if anybody's that conniving that Oh, I would, believe it. That they would bet that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to take a team like the 49ers and make them the hottest team and win five in a row. I don't
1: think anybody predicted what happened this season, but with time, Garoppolo. Would be that guy. I didn't, I, okay, so I knew caroppolo was going to be great from the moment I heard he was coming to the 49ers. I didn't know that he would turn around the entire team, that his confidence would give confidence to every unit of that football team. Okay. Uh, I knew he was solid. Everyone saw him play solidly. when he But when that he was fill with the Patriots, right. right? That was with a team that was established, already a great team.
3: And the argument was you could put anybody in yes. there and they would be a great quarterback.
1: Yes. But that argument fell flat when he went to San Francisco, which was a dumpster fire, and turned it into the hottest team in the NFL.
3: Well, one of the other guys that's involved in all of this, this discussion, is Brady's trainer. Tom Brady's trainer, body coach, and business partner. Nobody, please, nobody make enough money that you can have a body coach. That's a bad title. Anyway, this guy helped Tom Brady write a book. And it's all, you may have heard TB12, the TB12 method. He Tom Brady. $200. This is his fountain of youth. This is the thing where, you know, it's all about drinking a lot of water, eat a lot of vegetables, stretch with bands, get a lot of sleep. Um, Tom Brady wrote something along the lines of, you know, if you if an athlete gets injured, don't blame his sport. Blame their basically blame the workout regimen and the strength regimen. He
1: believes it's a lifestyle, not a job. Being quarterback, it it applies to every aspect of your life, and you have to act accordingly, or you'll get injured or fail.
3: And the problem is, a lot of these players are now foregoing the the advice of team doctors, team strength coaches, team uh, people who do this for the team, and they're going to Tom Brady's guys. They're going to Tom Brady's guy Alex Guerrero, and there is this division where. Who do you have your uh, who are you more reliant upon? The people who are paying you a lot of money, like Rob Gronkowski, for example, paying Rob Gronkowski a pantload of money. Does he have some allegiance to the team or does he have an allegiance to Tom Brady and the Tom Brady faction of what's going on?
1: When it's Gronkowski, it's all about Tom Brady allegiance. And
3: this this split, this uh, schism that's going on right now, even if it's even if it's a perception of that. Is a danger to a team, and like you said, this well-oiled machine, the way it's worked for years.
1: We saw what this hit piece did to the Seattle Seahawks.
3: Yeah, exactly. That is exactly true. I never and and, about and that.
1: right on the eve of the playoffs, the good thing is is that for Patriots fans, it's obviously a great team. There are holes in the team. They may not do as well as they have this year, but it's still the Patriots. And Tom Brady has experience in the playoffs like no other. But does he have experience with being the aim Or the target of of the aim of a hit piece like this, and
3: intentional or not, ESPN dropping this uh, last night gives the Patriots ten full days to talk about it. They don't they don't play this weekend. They have a bye week. They have ten full days to talk about this and deal with it. I don't know what that
1: press corps is like. I don't know if they would bother the Patriots with this day in and somebody, day out.
3: Somebody will try to make a name for themselves and, and bug yeah. Bill Belichick and he'll talk about all we're weren't. all we all we want to do is talk about January thirteenth.
1: Coming up next, it looks like there was a bad guy up in the Bay Area that planned for a massacre on Pier thirty nine on Christmas. FBI was able to stop this plot. We'll get into all the details when we come back to Gary and Shannon. I bet you've never had a birthday where you've been able to give away so much money. So
3: brand I'm just trying to think, go back. Uh...
1: I mean, except for that one night in Reno.
3: Right, but that was an accident.
1: And those those were all ones. And I
3: didn't really give it away. And coins. It fell out in my pocket. It was cold that
4: night, too.
3: Stupidity, what this is. Uh, When we, at the bottom of this hour, I don't even know what the word orgiastic means, um, but we're going to talk about how Silicon Valley has a secretive...
1: Of or dealing or or pertaining with orgies. Orgiastic.
3: You just made that up. You didn't even look it up. You made it up. I don't even... Okay, well, then let me say this. I don't know how to pronounce it.
1: You got it right. Oh. Or All right.
3: Well, we'll talk about that in the 1230 segment. We'll get into Swamp Watch once again, because not only is the book Fire and Fury out today, and it's about to make uh, Michael Wolff millions of dollars, a lot of questions about what the information that's inside of it so we'll do all that we have gas fantasy 4 play in the 12 o'clock hour a special guest is going to join us in the one o'clock hour to talk about movies uh, specifically we get into award season like the golden globes coming up on sunday how this is going to look this year compared to past years in the context of all of the sexual harassment allegations that are rampant in hollywood now
1: we take you to fresno our apologies U.S. District Court in Fresno yesterday where a man from Modesto was charged with attempting to provide material support and resources to a foreign terrorist organization. This is a guy named Everett Jamison, as I mentioned, from Modesto, and he, according to the FBI, was planning a Christmas terror attack on Pier 39 in San Francisco. 26 years old, They say he was planning to use destructive devices to carry out a murderous rampage there on Pier 39. He was going to use pipe bombs. And his plan, they say, was to funnel people into an area in order to shoot them. If you haven't been to Pier 39, it's a big pier. It's not just one pier. There's a lot of offshoots. There's restaurants and shops. And there's, I believe, the earthquake experience. It's a big to do. It's almost like a little kitschy mall on a big pier.
3: Very tourist heavy, very tourist heavy. Um, They said that this guy was mentally ill. He didn't have the means to carry out the alleged plot. And uh, why that is a, I mean, I I guess that's a defense, but why that's even brought up into this. If you know that this guy has been thumbing up the the Facebook posts that are pro-terrorism, That should be enough to put this guy in jail for a long time. I don't think that's a a silly mistake of an innocent young man. That he
1: just didn't have the stuff yet. Yeah. Why can't we assume that he just hadn't gotten around to buying this stuff?
3: Well, he had a very specific plan about how he was going to do this. Um, He would travel to this campground in the mountains. He would build the explosives out of PVC pipe gunpowder and nails, store the bombs in his home in Modesto. He would attack uh, Pier 39. He would funnel people uh, using those bombs into a specific area, perhaps uh, out at the front of the pier and drive everyone closer to the water so that there were no uh, plans to escape and then open fire on them and shoot them all. That was what I mean, this guy had that specific of a plan, according to the federal documents.
1: Luckily, he was dumb and luckily the FBI was watching. They started watching him in September because of his social media activity in which he started liking or loving posts about terror attacks in ISIS. That gives me great hope that the FBI is concerned with people who are liking ISIS posts. They're not they're not writing out. I love ISIS. I'm going to kill for them. They're simply hitting that button like or hitting that love button. That's when undercover FBI agents Decided to hatch a plan of their own. They posed as ISIS supporters and contacted him. He met with an undercover FBI employee on December 16th and told him about his very detailed plans that you laid out.
3: Wait a minute. You you said that they tracked him because of his Facebook stuff, right? Yeah. Why couldn't they track him because of that beard? And this is not an indictment of all beards. Some beards are good. Mm Mm-hmm. Blake's is on the edge, and I'll I be do. honest with you. But
1: Blake's but, is but like JB terrorist. Edge. Well, Blake's full is, blown, that's Blake fine. is.
3: Blake's is. I guess I would say like ninety percent full beard. Ninety percent. It's still an A. We're good. Right. This guy's beard is roughly fifty-five, maybe sixty percent full. And you know that splotchy beard that people have. You should not have a beard. If Agree. you're at that point. Agree. And one of the one of the tenets of the Muslim faith is that men would have facial hair, that they would have a beard. Everyone, regardless of whether or not they're capable of growing an, a beard, this guy has a C beard.
1: So let me ask you this, yeah. based on what you just laid out. Right. If some guy has a beard, that's not a nice beard. It's mine not would, fully grown, grown not in. Nice. It's splotchy. You look like a sick dog a mine, little bit.
3: And mine would come in almost Like patches? Red. Yeah, patches,
1: unevenness—that that person should be immediately flagged because they're only growing a beard to be in line with ISIS, not because it looks great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, they met with him, like I said, on December sixteenth, and he laid out the plans. He asked the agent because remember he thinks this is an ISIS uh, higher up, so he says, "Hey, you know what I? Well, you know what I could use for my massacre." Uh, some remote timing devices for those pipe bombs. He told the FBI operative that Christmas Day was the perfect day to commit the attack. No, it's not. No, why would that be? I mean, I've never <laughs> been to Pier 39 well, on Christmas Day, but it seems like it would not be a huge foot traffic no.
3: day. Uh, he would say that, I, I would assume he was just because he's blinded by the hate of the Christian faith or something like that. Because that would be the day places, that he's going to make a statement.
1: Most of those places would be closed
3: exactly so you're not going to get a lot of people
1: bad terrorist well they they say that he talked about how his attack would be styled after the october 31st attack in new york city remember that's when that guy drove a truck down a bike lane killed eight people he told the fbi agent he just started working as a tow truck driver which could help in the attack he expressed loyalty to isis and al Baghdadi. He offered to donate money to ISIS, contribute his firearm skills. And he asked the agent to get him an assault rifle and explosives. That's a misstep. If you're trying to join ISIS, you should know that ISIS is poor. ISIS is broke. ISIS is not flush with cash and weapons to hand the expensive ones over to you, untested wannabe terrorist. You have to, you know, you have to bring your own party favors to the game
3: i got to tell you, I'm a little uncomfortable now that I realize we're giving this guy instructions on how to be a better
5: terrorist.
1: You're right.
3: (laughs) When they searched his home last month, (laughs) when they searched his home. (laughs) Don't
1: uh, go on Christmas Day. (laughs) The stores are all closed.
3: What a dummy. (laughs) Um, They found a note that was signed by this guy, but it was his handwriting, but it was signed Abdullah Abu Ivrit Abin Gordon Al-Amriki.
1: So he, so he made his own terrorist name. Yeah. It sounds like he fashioned his own I moniker. think you could do
3: that online, though. Like How you, do you find like, your terrorist name? name generator? I'm going to
1: Google that. Nope, I'm not.
3: That's probably better. <laughs> look, at the, look at the growth on you. I know. This look is at this, a this new a year. Uh, this note says, I, Abdullah Abu Everett Ibn Gordon al-Amriki, have committed these acts upon the Kufar, non-Muslims, in the name of Dar al-Islam which is the the Muslim world, Allahu Akbar says, you've allowed Donald J. Trump to give away Al-Quds, Jerusalem, this is like, to the Jews. This is
1: like the Spanglish form of terrorist talk. Both, both
3: you like, and me are half. wrong. It belongs to the Muslimin, the Muslims. Uh, long live ISIL, long live Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who is the head of I don't
1: of even ISIL. think he's doing it right. You know?
3: But that's good. I mean, look, if that's the bet, uh I How love do I a, phrase this term. This is, this
1: is it. Ha. You love a failed terrorist, especially when the FBI can thwart the plan.
3: Bring on the dumb ones.
1: I love that the FBI is looking at people that are liking ISIS videos online.
3: I'm hoping that they don't get complacent and think that all of these guys are dumb.
1: Well, you can uh, make them aware of that in our FBI training class that we do here on the Gath Show.
3: They would be so. They would shoot us. I think. Halfway through the class. But I don't even know if it would wait till halfway through, but they would shoot us, I would
1: assume. Yeah, it would be fun to have a, a, a room full of FBI agents and have us at the front saying, now what you need to do. Here's
3: what you guys should is have this. done um, Javier Becerra <laughs> says he is going to fight this pot crackdown. The California Attorney General said that if this new federal policy results in federal prosecutors charging marijuana growers and sellers licensed by the state, that he's gonna, not going to rule out intervening in court on behalf of state-sanctioned businesses.
1: This is only if there's anything probably in writing policy-wise by the federal government about this. If this is just Jeff Sessions taking a hand or, or getting rid of the hands-off approach and not directing prosecutors to prosecute, I don't really know if there's much that the state attorney general can do. Yeah, I
3: I, I agree. I, I don't know if there's anything he can do. California is one of 29 states that has approved sale of marijuana for medical purposes. 29. There are eight now that have given the green light. Get it? Green light. Green light for you're uh, so clever. Recreational pot use
1: in your old age.
3: The state officials voiced their concerns because Jeff Sessions came out. We talked about this yesterday, early yesterday. That one was out loud.
1: What, which would You one? said
3: in your old age.
1: No, I didn't.
3: Jeff Sessions yesterday rescinded this federal policy that would have had local pot sellers confident that they wouldn't be prosecuted if they were licensed by the state. Remember, there was a memo that went out from the Department of Justice, the Cole memo, uh, under the Obama presidency, which said, listen, if the if it's legal in those states, now again, this is to federal prosecutors, if it's legal in your state, Um, Only go after those cases where gangs are in control of the money, where people are making it available to kids, or where it's being transported across state lines. Those are the things that were still prosecutable under the Obama administration's federal guidelines when it came to pot. And what Jeff Sessions did was say, no, no, it's now all back on the table, but he leaves it up to... Those attorneys general throughout, I'm sorry, those uh, federal prosecutors throughout these different districts. And How who many there's knows?
1: Like 59 I, districts or something like I that? I think on the list of priorities for federal prosecutors, this is very low, very it, low. I, I don't think Sessions' comments yesterday make it move up any higher on the list.
3: Becerra has sued the administration more than two times, uh, sorry, more than two dozen times as attorney general. How long has have, uh, Javier Becerra been the attorney general?
1: Five minutes.
3: One one year? One year he's been the attorney general. Asked if um, California would take action, for example, uh, like challenging changing policies and rules without sufficient public input or whatever when it comes to the pot. He said it depends on what the federal government does next.
1: Exactly, because as it stands, there's nothing to take action upon.
3: How about this? How about Javier Becerra, instead of doing a news conference like this, uh, dropping his uh, junk on the table to show how big and tough he is, why don't you just get on the phone to the federal prosecutors in the state of California and go, hey, do you guys have any plans? I mean, is this a thing? Do you care? Especially
1: when it makes no difference how big his junk is, if it's small or if it's large, because there's nothing to – to take action on well he could this is all a press conference to say don't that, forget me yeah. my name is
3: javier pesera exactly it the next but it it's sounds all like
1: a J. it's all to stand up there behind a microphone and say i am a good californian i love pot too <laughs> vote for me for governor I love in four pot years too. um all right i see your green light and i raise you an la times line mm. here we go For the steady stream of customers waiting to see a bud tender Thursday at a Santa Ana pot store, Sessions Broadside against recreational pot was more of a bummer than a buzzkill.
3: Congratulations, Emily and Angel and Haley, you magnificent poets of prose. Uh, we'll get into that reefer madness story when we come back. But first, I want to give away $1,000.
0: dollars Your shot at $1,000 now. <laughs> text the keyword bank to two You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to two
1: I'd just like to take a moment to celebrate Emily Angel and Haley's contribution because you may have missed it in, in the reading, but they used bud tender, broadside, bummer, and buzzkill. Not only uh, literary genius, but alliteration Alliteration. at its finest. And and low-key alliteration, because they're all separated, but still.
3: And uh, a couple paragraphs later, they talked to a guy named Mr. Burns. No. Craig Burns. Um, 66-year-old guy was uh, up from Laguna Beach to buy pot. Says, this is an attempt to take us back to the 50s, where you're a criminal if you use... But now even somebody who follows their state's law is a criminal. It's going back.
1: OK, I'm going to pull the car over again. Oh, this is oh, the second lo- I'm time like a already mother. We're OK, we're never going to get there. I know. I'm sorry. But this is not going to be people rounding up people smoking pots in the street. Pots. People <laughs> smoking pots. <laughs> People
3: smoking. Welcome to, welcome to the show, Mr. <laughs> Sessions. We're glad you can join
1: us. This is not going to be people going after you and your ounce of weed in your home. If anything, this would be federal prosecutors taking action against the, the actual stores themselves. It's not going to be a personal thing. They're not going to go after you and your little baby amount of weed. That's not what this is, if anything.
3: This is a... They're not going
1: to be rounding people up.
3: At 420 Central, that's the name of the uh, the pot shop that they went to in Santa Ana, the, waiting, the full waiting room resembled that of a doctor's office. People playing on their phones as they patiently waited about a half an hour to see their bud tender. And in the locked room where the marijuana was stored, soft music played. Customers peered into glass cases and sniffed green medicine bottles.
1: Can we uh, ban the word bud tender from the show?
3: We can, but that's what they're calling themselves. That's like the, but
1: like barista. It's better than
3: Budista or Bud Bud Budista.
1: Why do we have to have a cute name for them?
3: What do you want to call them?
1: Pot sellers.
3: But they're more than that. They will tell you which strains are good for you and which ones aren't. Which ones make you paranoid? Okay, so we're going with Bud Tender.
1: That just makes me want to punch myself in the throat. Go ahead. Uh, the gosh, you're getting mean.
3: (laughs) Did you hear this conspiracy theory, by the way, that we talked yesterday about what President Trump's position on recreational marijuana is, was, might be it's flip flopped. It's not. uh, There's no hard line. This is never a huge issue. He doesn't care.
1: It's like it's from what I read, it's depending on who he talks to. Sure. It, like, he, he did one interview in Colorado where he's like, ah, I'm all for it. And then he did an interview with like, Bill O'Reilly and was like, pot's terrible. So it's all about who he's talking to. So
3: the thing is, you can't pin this president down. So there's no official administration policy, at least down from the president, about where we would be on recreational marijuana. Here's a conspiracy theory that I heard.
1: Oh, I love these.
3: They knew, they the White House. They don't like Jeff Sessions and they want to get him out, as because Jeff Sessions recused himself from the Russia investigation, right? And the president was not happy about that. We knew that. We've known that for almost a year now. Yes. That when Jeff Sessions comes to the president and says, "Mr. President, I was thinking about that thing. We're we're, we're rescinding that Cole memo," and Donald Trump says, "Oh, fine, go ahead. It's a great idea. Go to it, Jeff. Do your thing." So that when he gets all of this public blowback when he, being Jeff Sessions, gets all this public blowback for rescinding the Cole memo and making it potential, not possible even. Well, I guess possible is the right word. Making it possible that federal prosecutors do go after some of these pot shops that the White House can then say, why did you do that, Jeff? Why did you why did you garner all of this negative feelings towards this administration? All you had to do is leave it alone.
1: OK, well, and then
3: fire him and say, see, it's because of that. It's OK, of the coal memo.
1: I, I hear your conspiracy theory. Um, but remember when we were talking about the Patriots conspiracy conspiracy theory and you said you didn't believe there was that much conniving or thought that went into that. True. That's how I feel about this administration in that plan.
3: No one has that much forethought. I
1: don't think through.
3: so. Well, the uh, the interesting thing will be over these next several weeks and months <laughs> to see how many businesses come Uh, Or do get licensed by their municipalities, the city of L.A., for example, to actually sell pot because we have been so behind the times in terms of coming up with laws, coming up with policies, coming up with the permitting process, figuring out how to do that. There's only two in the city of L.A. There are not that many throughout the state. I think it's 40 or 50 throughout the state. That once all of this is done and once we do get a few hundred, I would assume, a few hundred of these recreational pot shops available throughout the state, that's when you're going to start to see the money come in, the tax income come in, and this is going to sort of lose its – pardon the pun – it's going to lose its buzz.
1: Yeah, the uh, the reporter from the Californian we had on earlier said there was a hundred, I believe, throughout the whole state. But that's nothing. oh, hundred right now. Yeah, there's just nothing. No, that's, nothing. For, that's I mean, state look of at
3: forty million people. Right, look
1: at Los Angeles, one of the more liberal cities, and you've got two. You've got West Hollywood, and you've got Santa Ana. Yeah, you we should at a, least have a hundred here.
3: There's a bunch in uh, Sacramento. I think had a really well that's, awkwardly high concentration
1: because that's in Sacramento. You need a little something to get through the day.
3: Wait a minute was married in Sacramento uh-huh. I see what you're saying all right we come back whatever the word orgiastic means and why Silicon Valley is now dealing with orgiastic stuff
1: could you imagine all those Silicon Valley people all, all naked together <laughs> good lord <sighs> Gary and Shannon
3: bleach my eyes
1: <laughs> did you write the this song because this song's 10 minutes
2: well, I know that you're 136 that's plenty of time one day
1: I'll regale you with you in the all of the words to it
2: Man, do
1: you want me to stop talking about your conception because I will if you if you really want me to
3: Gary and Shannon it's Friday January 5th
1: Oh, this is a great song.
3: The day that, the day that I was conceived mm-hmm. is the day the music died. Ooh. Yeah, that's not a, I
4: don't want this to be the one.
1: Well, this is really about the Buddy Holly, Richie Valens crash. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, want to talk about orgies? I, wait. <laughs> <laughs> We are staying on top of oh. all of the fallout of the Fire and Fury book. We topped the show talking about it. Uh, and the, our big thing was, listen, there's something new. There's something new coming out about this. And this guy is not, um, uh, you know, Edward R. Murrow. All right. It's it's a gossipy, anecdotal book in which he says in the prologue some of the stuff he had to kind of come up with himself or imagine how it happened. So all of the fire and fury about said book is really much to do about nothing, in my opinion. All right, orgies.
3: Can we talk about Cuddle Puddles? Yes. Remember when we talked with Dr. Wendy about her time out in the desert?
1: No. Yes. I don't remember her talking about that.
3: Yeah, I do. And she talked about a cuddle puddle. And we didn't know what that was several months ago.
1: Oh, now I remember. Yes. That wasn't on the air. The cuddle
3: puddle part was.
1: Okay, but not who she was with. No. Okay. Yeah, no. I I just want to make sure you didn't say the name. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I don't (laughs) think that part was on the air.
3: I am a gentleman of discretion. Mm. Uh, Cuddle puddles are where... Well, anyway, for her, her description of it.
1: (laughs) You just said, I am a man of discretion. And the next words out of your mouth were cuddle puddles. (laughs) Those
3: were supposed to be a thing that was non-sexual, but was just a group of people together chit-chatting.
1: No. How can you be in a cuddle puddle Uh, and it not be sexual? (laughs) I don't know. All right. I don't know. This was a story coming to us from Vanity Fair. And they're reporting that about once a month, on Friday or Saturday night, the Silicon Valley Technorati, as they call them, gather for a drug-heavy, sex-heavy party involving, yes, cuddle puddles. The venue sometimes is a beautiful mansion in Pacific Heights. Sometimes it's a beautiful home in the foothills of Atherton or Hillsborough. I was friends with, I um, still am friends with a, a woman at the time, girl, we were in college, who uh, house sat for a family in Atherton. Beautiful home. Yeah. I mean, multi million dollar home, new money family, marriage in shambles, just a disaster. The people were way underwater. It was a very sad situation, but really let me into how crazy life can be inside those homes on the other side. You know, the people that live in these places, I mean, Silicon Valley, of course, they all have money, the, the tech people. But sometimes what goes on when people are trying to pretend that they have more than they do. Trying to keep up. It gets it gets gamey in there.
3: This uh, writer, Emily Chang, put this together and talked about these, these parties that take place. And it's a lot of... Uh... First of all, the roots of the roots of this come from the Bay Area. You and I both grew up in the Bay Area. It, I don't know if we were aware of it at the time. Pretty, uh, what would you say, sexually liberal when it comes to sexual behavior, uh, sexuality out in the open. Take a
1: walk thing. down Hate Ashbury.
3: Exactly, the, where That's no one all you wears. Need. Everyone's allergic to clothes yeah. uh, in the haight Ashbury district. Um, so this is kind of where this is grown out of. Plus, you've got these guys, a lot of times guys, who grew up, I mean, literally coding, and that's all. So their, their ability to make normal, what you would consider normal relationships with people, don't exist. They do not have those abilities.
1: It has shades of Hollywood. They wrote in Vanity Fair that the freewheeling sex lives pursued by men in tech, from the elite down to the rank and file, have consequences for how business gets done in Silicon Valley. What does that sound like? They say from reports of those who have attended these parties guests and hosts include powerful first round investors, well known entrepreneurs, and top executives. Some are the titans of the valley household names. The females have different qualifications. If you're attractive, willing, and young, don't worry about what your resume says. Wow, that's a shocker. Some work in tech in the Bay Area, but some of the women come from L.A.
3: Now, a lot of the people who say that they've been to these parties, um, you you may not know when you're going, but you know immediately when you walk in the door what kind of a party this is. If you go to a tech party, you go to a Silicon Valley party, it's 90% men just because that's who – uh, populates those businesses. If it's one of these parties, then there's all kinds of women. Like the, the the ratio is two to one, women to men.
1: They say this is how the night goes down. Guests arrive before dinner, are checked in by private security guards who turn you away if you're not on the list. Sometimes the evening is catered, but at many of these, guests will cook dinner together. That way there's no help to witness what's going on. Hmm? Uh, Of course, alcohol is involved. And then come the drugs, ecstasy, molly, the stuff that turns strangers into
3: lovers. (laughs) They're saying that not all of these parties are billed as just giant orgies. It just happens to be that they are they sort of look the other way if there's a pocket of that kind of activity that shows up. And Emily talked to one of these young women who said that she got an uh, an invite to a party on the edge of the earth as it was described at the home of one of these uh, venture capitalists. And the invite requested glamazon adventurer, safari chic and jungle tribal attire.
1: Turning er, turning the car around, I guess I could say. Now we're going uh, back. No, 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 well, cuz we didn't dress appropriately. What do you wear if you get an if you get an invitation at the Hoffman house for a party? Uh, it says glamazon, glamazon and adventure, sh- safari chic and jum- j- jungle tribal attire. What do you, Gary, put on? What
3: do I put on? Uh-huh. I would go the safari route, a as opposed cloth? to the jungle tribal. No, that would be more jungle tribal. Okay, so, I would be more safari chic. It's so like so, Steve Irwin. Yes, but like the shortest Steve Irwin khaki like shorts. Like Larry I could Bird find. Steve Irwin oh, shorts. Oh yes, yeah. Okay, you never know when something. Oh. Anyway, that, and maybe like a uh, a Steve Irwin tank top. Is that a thing? Does that exist?
1: Is this a straight party?
3: <laughs> I'm just trying to think of how you. Could well, make you that could a do thing. like, like just... a
1: tight khaki short sleeve with the uh, with the buttons open a little bit. Show some Again, Manchester, straight. Safari shoes. <laughs> the lines are very blurred.
3: Um, but uh, this, this, this Jane Doe, as she described herself, said that uh, it was in the middle of this sexual harassment allegation case that had been brought against a uh, one of the co-founders of Binary Capital. So, the, this, even in the context of sexual harassment allegations, didn't stop these parties from going on.
1: Jane Doe told the author that it was all so ridiculous. She found herself on the floor with two couples, including a male entrepreneur and his wife. You know what? Actually, let's take a break and come back and tell the rest of Jane Doe's story. I okay. didn't realize what time it was. Yeah, it's uh... it's time to uh, pause the orgy story. Great. When
3: we come back,
1: cuddle puddles on Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Shannon, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. There's a warning in Florida because of all the cold weather, and it involves iguanas. Don't touch them. The iguanas have been falling out of trees. They're not to be touched. That's not funny. It is kind of funny.
3: If you're walking around uh, Florida where it's, gosh, all of 50 degrees and then... uh,
1: We'll check in. want to
3: follow us on you.
1: We'll check in on the frigid East Coast coming up in a little more than an hour. We'll, but right now we're in the middle of an orgy.
3: Well, not. We, it's the story of. Right. Um, this is uh, out of Vanity Fair. Emily Chang put together this uh, look at these sex-fueled parties that go on in Silicon Valley where guys who never had girlfriends and probably hadn't kissed a girl until their mid-20s uh, end up with all kinds of money and end up in this very sexually charged environment where they call the shots.
1: It seems like all the relationships are open. All the love free.
3: The guys can walk in to a situation, a room, whatever you want to call it, and say, listen, uh, I I want you and I want you and I want you. And I don't want any connections. I don't want any uh No tie-downs, no commitments or anything like that. And if one of them says, no, no, that's not for me, but the other two are like, I'm good with that, then everybody just kind of looks the other way.
1: She talked to a woman that she's calling Jane Doe, who went to these uh, parties, and she says, uh, well, I, I found myself on the floor with two couples, including a male entrepreneur and his wife. She says the living room had been blanketed in plush white faux fur and pillows. And as the evening wore on, she says several people lay down and started stroking one another. If you missed it, everyone's on ecstasy or Molly. So the touching thing feels great. She said it became a sizable cuddle puddle that one venture capitalist was dressed up as a bunny and offered her some powder in a plastic bag. It was Molly.
3: My turn to pull a car over.
1: If a guy in a bunny suit offers you powder, powder say no. Yeah. Okay.
3: Good life lesson. Go on.
1: Nervously, she dips her finger into the powder and puts oh, it in her mouth.
3: Ready to go, Jane?
1: She says, soon her guard dropped. The male founder asked if he could kiss her. She says, it was so weird. I'm like, your wife is right there. Is she okay with this? <laughs> <God>. <laughs> the founder's wife acknowledged that yes, she was okay with it. Jane Doe, who considers herself fairly adventurous and open-minded, kissed the founder, then became uncomfortable, feeling as if she had been pressured or targeted. All right. You took the powder from the bunny. You don't get to then say you've been targeted or pressured.
3: Yes, but you can't say. The bunny did
1: not put the powder in your mouth.
3: But you can say you were uncomfortable. And in that case, she said, what the
1: hell are you doing at an orgy?
3: Well, that's the thing is I don't know if she realized what it was. She said she tried to escape to a different area of the party. She said, I felt gross. I'd participated in making out with him. And he kept trying to find me. I kept trying to run away and hide. And she eventually gets into a cab and and jumps into her car, it says, and leaves. So it's not about she says what's not okay about this scene is that it is so money and power dominated. It's a problem because it's an abuse of power. I would never do it again, she says. Okay.
1: It, none of that would have ever happened if she didn't take the powder from the bunny. But none of it would have ever happened if there wasn't money involved. Yeah. If she had a if she
3: had an invitation to an edge of the world party from a bunch of Star Trek geeks, she never would have gone.
1: I'm not gonna feel bad for girls that go to things that are billed as you know, edge of the World Party, Edge of the World Party, where it says to dress like you're in a safari or whatever and then accept S- powder from men dressed sheet. as bunnies. I'm not going to feel bad for you. Yeah, uh,
3: it just doesn't make any it, sense.
1: It, you know, and, and if people have money up in Silicon Valley, they want to throw it around. They want to have orgy parties with their wives Fine. Who the hell am I to tell you to stop? I'm certainly not going to feel bad for somebody who's going to accept powder from the bunny. Well, here's If the that's thing. what they're trying to do, it's not working. And
3: whether it's Silicon Valley or Hollywood or politics, rich – let me totally overgeneralize – rich men who want casual sex with women – that will always be okay. That will always be there.
1: It's not going anywhere. It's not going to stop. No matter how many what... Me Too move. Right.
3: No, it's not going anywhere. There there will always be that belief that it's accessible to them because of the money that they have. Okay. Now, you've got to know, you got to make sure that you keep yourself out of those situations. Because as much as I think it's despicable, as much as you think it's despicable, we would love it wiped off the face of the earth. It doesn't go away.
1: As long as men have genitals and power and money, it's never going to go away. That's why I have a problem with the Me Too situation. You're never going to root out every apple with money and power. What you need to do is tell the kids how to deal with it.
3: Rule number four is do not take powder from the man in the bunny costume. Because that, by the way, is not safari chic. Or jungle tastic or whatever the theme was. Alright. We'll do trending when we come back. Also our gas fantasy four play coming up. Swamp Watch. All of that stuff is in the twelve o'clock hours. We continue, Gary and Shannon.
1: Speaking of tribal attire at the, the Silicon Valley down. orgies, what about a little share? Well it's nineteen seventy-two share action.
3: 1972
1: Cher? Yeah. Okay. You know what? Cher looks like 1972 Cher. I met her a few years ago at City Hall. Oh, I
3: don't like to brag. She uh... was there to
1: save the elephants along with Slash. It was a big day for me. Was Drew Carey there? I don't know.
3: That's the only time I met Drew Carey was when he was doing an animal something something at City Hall.
1: She looks incredible. She's little, too. I thought she was an Amazonian woman just because of Sonny. Assume she was tall. But she's not. She's about my height, which means he was really tiny.
3: (laughs) Well, what else is going on? Time for
0: What's Happening.
1: Paul Haggis is in the news. This is the latest name to come out of Hollywood when it comes to sexual assault accusations. A civil lawsuit has been filed charging Paul Haggis, Oscar-winning filmmaker, with raping a publicist. Three additional women have come forward with their own accusations, including another publicist who says he forced her to perform oral sex, then raped her.
3: Well. Uh, I'm not surprised by this. The L.A. Times put out a story over the uh, New Year that said that I think every 20 hours since the Harvey Weinstein story came out, every 20 hours, some big name has been popped with some sexual harassment allegations.
1: Screenwriter for Million Dollar Baby and Crash, uh, huge names. Flags of Our Fathers, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, very uh, very popular and well-thought-after The attorney, screenwriter.
3: The attorney for the screenwriter said, He didn't rape anybody.
1: He was a Scientologist that broke from Scientology a handful of years ago.
3: Uh, The flu is trending. We've seen this for the last few days. I heard an interview with Jim Keeney yesterday um, on the Conway show. Brian Suits also talked to a doctor last night about what the flu is and how it is that uh, people are showing up into emergency rooms throughout. Well, throughout the world, actually, over these last couple of days and weeks just broken down by this flu but in one case you know it's the rare case where the flu can actually kill you but in one case there's a guy in the icu at sharp grossmont hospital fighting for his life
1: this guy got sick around christmas his name's sean burrow and he had the chest congestion headache body ache the usual stuff his wife's like all right you're getting the flu but like a lot of people do, he continued to work and did not rest. The next thing she knows, they're in the ER on New Year's Day. He couldn't breathe. They had to intubate him, sedate him, and told her he was in renal failure.
3: This I almost feel like this is a disservice that sometimes uh, media organizations do when it comes to something like the flu. I, know, I mean, I had this. I was, I went through this for a couple of days right after Christmas, where I, I just didn't want to move. I had the headaches and my scalp felt tingle. I mean, just bizarre, normal flu stuff. I didn't get it very bad, but it was bad enough that I knew that I had something. The, it's the people who go to the emergency room with those symptoms, afraid that it is something like renal failure. Yeah, those I know. are the ones that are clogging up the emergency room. I'm so with you. But, it, but then you can't ignore. When, you know when things are bad. You know when things are wrong with your body. Yeah. And I don't want to tell anybody not to go to the emergency room, but it's just one of those it's, it's the rare occasions.
1: You may want to stay away from romaine lettuce because E. coli is trending. There is an outbreak. It has made dozens of people across the country and Canada very sick. And they're investigating right now, the CDC, whether green salads could be the case.
3: I have a question for James Rogers, director of food safety and research at Consumer Reports. He says we can't say with 100 percent certainty that it's romaine. That's the cause of this E. coli outbreak. But it is appropriate given that lettuce is almost always consumed
1: raw. That's it. I'm not eating any more lettuce. Wait a minute. When
3: is when is lettuce cooked? Do you cook lettuce? Uh,
1: You could have, uh, I guess, cooked cabbage. I
3: don't know. Speaking of, you can replace your lettuce with Cadbury cream eggs.
1: No, you can't. You could. No, you can't because people's dirty fingers are clawing all up in there. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. Oh, I saw the story. They're
3: they're doing the white eggs now.
1: No. They're doing a white egg. Oh. Which is like the golden ticket, like the Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka thing. Wonka? And when you get the white egg, then you get a lot of money. But the problem is, is the Cadbury eggs are being sent to markets and the workers at the markets are unfoiling the eggs to find the white one, realizing it's not the white one, then replacing the foil. So their grubby little hands are up in your eggs.
3: (laughs) Oh, okay. Just for some money, huh? If your Cadbury egg comes with fingerprints, it's time to uh, send it back. There is a. Uh, oh, we talk- we're
1: making all sorts of life lessons we, today.
3: <laughs> we talked about, you know what we should do at the end of every show?
1: What? Go over the life lessons we learned? The life lessons. Oh, my God, learned. I love it. Okay, so wait, let me write this down. So all far right. today is.
3: Today's life um, lessons.
1: Don't take powder from man in bunny suit. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't eat Cadbury eggs that have fingerprints. Yep. That's a good one.
3: Apple says that all of its computers and iOS devices, like your phones and your iPads, are affected by chip security flaws that came out this week. We talked about uh, Meltdown and Spectre. They said that despite concern that fixes may slow down devices, Apple had uh, it has its steps to address the meltdown issue. They haven't dented any performance, etc., and they're going to release an update to the Safari web browser in the next few days to defend to defend against another form of the security flaw which is known as Spectre. So, all of these tech companies that uh, the deal with Mozilla, Apple, um, Google, everybody has come out with their fixes or are in the process of coming out with their fixes.
1: Well, not only is it your birthday, but it's also National Bird Day. Oh, I didn't even know that. Shall we go up to the Malchir Wildlife Refuge? For what? To look at the birds. Oh. <gasps> there it is. What is That's the boobies. By
3: the way, thank you for my shirt.
1: You're welcome. <laughs>
3: she gave me it. A- a shirt for my birthday that says take care of your... Is it take care of? No, I love my booby. Oh, I love my booby, and it's a picture of a booby on my shirt. Very nice.
1: Isn't that peaceful? Oh, it's so great. That is a big bird. <laughs> what do you think the most beautiful bird in the world is? <laughs> would you think it's the macaw?
3: I would say one of those macaws.
1: I would say maybe the wood duck. Meh. Regal. Regal, that bird. Uh, the Atlantic puffin is always a crowd favorite. They're kind of tiny. A
3: goofy looking thing. Maybe I love a toucan puffins. or a peacock or something a like peacock's that. Peacock's
1: beautiful, but kind of passive aggressive. Dirty, and from what I the understand. Flamingos are dirty as hell, too. Ew. All
2: right. When we a come golden
1: back. pheasant. I enjoy a golden pheasant. Oh, they
3: taste so good. When we come back, we'll talk uh, Gas Fantasy Four play. Four games on Wild Card weekend. And we will pick them because I think Blake and I, right now, Blake and I are tied in the yeah. gas fantasy. Yeah, we tied.
2: Season statistics. Hmm. We have 32 and twenty four, twenty six, 26, something like 34 and 26. It's a lot of games. Yeah. And we're still barely 500 on that. But Affaron is in last place. Hmm.
1: That's not me. That's my father.
2: Oh, I see how this
3: works. I didn't do
1: that. I'm just saying it's a
3: genetic problem, apparently. We'll talk with Shannon's dad in just a few minutes. I
1: was adopted. Okay. You're
3: trying to run away from him even more. All right, Gary and Shannon will continue with our gas fantasy foreplay. i Shannon.
0: Wake up, Maggie, i Gas Fantasy Foreplay, just one second. First one to give away a $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. All right,
3: here's how we do our Gas Fantasy Foreplay. There will be only four games this weekend on the NFL schedule, considering this is the wild card weekend to kickoff for the playoffs what we're going to do is we're going to go through all four games, pick our winners who we think is going to win. You play along with us as well. So we want you to pick for each of the four NFL games. Tweet us your picks.
1: It's one of the best weekends of of really the year. This is wild card weekend when anything could happen. When the Bills could start a playoff run for the first time since 1999. (laughs) Okay. Who's not pulling for the Buffalo Bills?
3: Uh, everyone outside of the town of Buffalo.
1: Oh, no, it's fun.
3: Um, so make sure you use the hashtag gas 4 play in your tweet. Tell us who you think is going to win, and then on uh, Monday we'll tell you who won and uh, whatever fancy things that we might uh, get to win. We can't now, wait
1: to spend the weekend at the video poker bar at the Golden Nugget, or <laughs> watching the games, making bets.
3: Bad filterless cigarette hanging out of your lips? No. Yes. No. Uh, one of the things that Shannon decided early on was that she's so bad at picking football winners that she enlisted the help of her father, Ray, to come in, and he's done a yeoman's job trying to right the ship uh, all year. Ray, how are you? Well,
4: I'm fine,
1: Gary. Happy birthday
3: oh, to you. Thank you very much. Did see, you uh,
1: See how nice he is? Yes, you I... could take a page from my father Look and be a little nicer. Talking.
3: Oh, my gosh. Happy New Year, Ray.
1: Happy New Year to
3: you, all folks. All right, you ready? You feel good about this uh, this weekend?
4: Uh, Yeah,
3: I do. Okay, good. Here we go. (laughs) Oscar, what's our first
0: game? All right, game number one is going to be the Tennessee Titans versus the Kansas City Chiefs.
3: All right, I will start this one. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Kansas City Chiefs. It's not really out on a limb.
2: I think it's going to be one of those weeks. It is.
3: (laughs) Ray, who do you pick there? Titans, Chiefs. Uh, Kansas City. All right. Oscar, Casey, and Blake. Hurts me, but Casey. All right. There we go. It's pretty simple.
1: Thought you were a Raider fan. Game two. I'm <laughs> awesome. starting game <laughs> two. Thought you <laughs> bled silver and black.
3: Stop it.
0: Uh, game two is going to be the Atlanta Falcons versus the LA Rams.
3: Ray, you get to choose first here Falcons, Rams. I like
0: Atlanta.
3: Wow.
1: You are a Matt Ryan believer, Dad, all season. (laughs) You you know what? He's been on fire. 302 yards, I believe, the last two weeks. I still think the Rams are going to win this one, but I think it's going to be close And the spreads. Five and a half. I think you take the Falcons. That's what he did. With the points. Oh,
3: okay. I see what you're saying. Oscar.
0: Matt Ryan failed me in fantasy football like almost the entire season until I dropped him and then I could care less. All right. Uh, so I'm going to go with the uh, <laughs> with the Rams.
2: All right. And Blake? My brother's going to hate me, but I'm going with the Rams. All right. I
3: also am going with dead-eyed Jared Goff. And the I would Rams. just
1: like to point out that my father is a true <laughs> NFC West fan of yeah. the 49ers because he would not pick the Rams. <laughs> you pick the Chiefs, which means you are not a true fan of the Raiders. I'm wow. a
2: realist. Awkward. I'm a realist. <laughs> Alright, game three. Oscar, All who right, are we looking at? Game
1: three is the Buffalo Bills at, uh, versus the Jacksonville Jaguars.
3: And I'll let you choose first there. Bills, Jaguars. I'm going to
0: go with the Jaguars.
3: Jaguars. Blake. Uh, Jacksonville. Alright, I also picked Jacksonville. Um... Wish it was colder weather, and then I would have picked the Bills. But, Ray, who do you choose? Bills, Jaguars? Jackson. Jacksonville.
2: All right, everybody picks Jacksonville on that one. And then to wrap it up.
1: Just for the record, I take the four. Bills. Oh, okay, side bet there on <laughs> it that is, one. It is
2: snowing in Jacksonville, so maybe uh, it, yeah, but the Bills will know what to do with it. It's going
3: to be like 50 degrees on Sunday at kickoff. That's It'll be the gone. The Jacksonville's
1: then. cracks are showing. You want to say that? Te- the players are fighting with each other. Mm, I don't know. The Bills may be the team of destiny.
3: Oscar, what's our fourth game?
0: <laughs> Last game is going to be the Carolina Panthers uh, versus
2: the New Orleans Saints.
3: This is going to be in the dome there in New Orleans. Uh, I pick, well, Blake goes first actually this time. Blake goes on this round.
2: I am going to go with the Saints on this one.
3: Yeah, I think I am too. This is the one that was that tore me the most because I think Cam Newton yeah. on turf can be amazing. But Ray, who do you choose? Panthers, Saints. Uh, Saints. All right. And then Oscar, Panther Saints.
0: Give me the Saints.
3: All right. So very close. Looks like the only difference was Ray picking the Falcons instead of the Rams. So, Ray, have have a great weekend watching football.
4: Okay, I will. All right. And happy birthday again
0: to you.
3: And thank you again for wishing me the happy birthday.
4: Love you, Dad. Bye-bye. Bye.
3: Bye, Ray. That's so nice.
1: Isn't that nice of him? All the abuse that I get from you. Father <laughs> still says happy birthday.
3: To so, wait, <clears throat> but wait now. So he's the he's the nice. He is the he's your example of how to be nice. Yes. And how are you? How do you feel like you measure up to him? No, no, no. no, no. We're being... talking
1: about you being more oh, no, like no, him. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Yeah. Oh, yes. I
2: See, don't believe you. You
1: know what? I'm really excited for these games. I get giddy before Wild Card Weekend because they're usually. I think last year was a letdown, if I'm not mistaken. But they're usually pretty damn good.
3: They're fun. And the fact that we have so many different teams in the playoffs this year than yeah. we did last year I think is also very fun. So anyway, that'll make a great – this this month of January is going to be some great football time, of course. And then Super Bowl I think is on the 4th of February. I do, have, do you want to come over? Super Bowl. Oh, yeah.
1: Are you going to have a party? I can. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What would you like me to bring? I was
3: going to invite Oscar again, but I don't know if he'll show up again.
1: Oh, did he not show up last time? <laughs> Do I didn't you, know it was going to be this well, now, kind of segment Now right I know that. I know it's, it's gotten, we have an intervention or it's something gotten crazy. <laughs> um, this time I won't take your chair. No, no, that's fine. No, I'm going to sit on the floor.
3: No, no, it's fine. You could sit in that chair. That's the greatest chair to sit in.
1: It it's, is, and that's why it's yours, and I feel no, really bad. I still feel bad about chair. that. It's you know what? I'm going to go,
0: and I'll steal that chair.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's
3: the only one. I'm going to leave that chair open. The only person who could sit in that chair on that Super Bowl Sunday will be Oscar.
1: If he goes.
3: Then it's empty. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. We'll do Swamp Watch. A bunch of stuff going on in Washington, D.C. Guess who Donald Trump talked to on the phone?
1: I don't know. I like
3: trees. That guy. Jerry
1: Brown? No, not that guy. Oh, those were trains. The other
3: guy. Gary and Shannon will continue.
0: Drain the swamp. We're gonna drain the swamp of Washington. We're gonna have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the
1: Swamp Watch.
3: Gary and Shannon. Uh, Laura sent us any before we get into the uh, the Swamp Watch. Laura sent us a message on Facebook. <clears throat> It said, uh, I think your dad is so fun, Shannon. He sounds so nice and friendly. And happy birthday, Gary. Don't let your receding hairline spoil your day. Okay.
2: Thank you.
1: And then she writes, Shannon is just being a meanie. (laughs) I thought it was just
2: a high set hairline. I
1: I have never said anything about your hairline. That was a little unprovoked.
2: It was unprovoked.
1: I think your hairline's great. Seriously, I don't know why you, you think your forehead's so big.
3: Because it is.
1: It's it's a perfectly oh. normal-sized forehead. In your old age. It's, yeah, for, you know, for, for your,
3: someone your age. Yeah, for
0: someone your age.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the Swamp Watch is when we talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. and stuff that happens inside the Beltway and outside the Beltway that might have an impact on it. In a few minutes, we're going to be talking with Lana Zach more of the fallout from the Fire and Fury book that hit bookshelves today. Uh, We found out that uh, now that we know Orrin Hatch is not going to run for Senate once again uh, in the fall, that that has sort of made room for Mitt Romney to make his comeback on the political stage. And President Trump spoke with Mitt Romney on the phone last evening. Described by a couple of sources, lasted less than ten minutes, but. Uh, the president wished Mitt Romney the best of luck in his future endeavors. Mm-hmm. If you remember very clearly, Mitt Romney came out against then candidate Trump. There was a full speech, and if I remember correctly, we broadcast that. It speech. was we hot it too. It was
1: hot rhetoric. Very stove. I forget stove the is direct. Hot. Yeah, I forget the direct quotes, but
3: um, Trump had been pressuring Hatch to run for reelection in an attempt to keep Mitt Romney from running. In fact. The president flew with Orrin Hatch to Salt Lake City last month to uh, to lavish him with praise at a ceremony uh, to to talk about the shrinking of the state's national monuments. If you remember that, he did, Mitt Romney described Donald Trump as a fraud and as a phony, and implored. You now he wasn't running at the time, but he implored everyone in the party to nominate someone else. So there was even a point supposedly where. Mitt Romney was being considered for the secretary of state position early on in the transition. That's right. Didn't didn't come to pass.
1: Well, we talked about the division in the Republican Party, the people who are Trumpers and the people who are not. Well, it looks like there is another dividing line and it's the people that are split between Trump and Bannon because now those two have separated. Bannon's quest was to, after he left the White House, keep going with his message of basic, really, Trumpism without Trump. But it's already cost Bannon a key backer and may cost him his position of power at Breitbart. Rebecca Mercer is a billionaire Republican donor and the co-owner of Breitbart. And she issued a statement yesterday distancing herself from Bannon this of course on the heels of the Fire and Fury book, where Bannon is quoted as calling the meeting between the Russian the Russians and Donald Trump Jr. as treasonous and un American. She issues this statement. I support President Trump and the platform upon which he was elected. My family and I have not communicated with Steve Bannon in many months and have provided no financial support to his political agenda, nor do we support his recent actions and statements. They're moving all their chips over to the Trump side which and is, betting on him and not Bannon.
3: Uh, one of the things that I saw that repeatedly this week was that Steve Bannon may have some political aspirations for himself. Steve Bannon is not ready for cameras.
1: I couldn't imagine that ever happening and and i don't he's the guy behind the guy he's he wouldn't be a good politician
3: he's like um uh david axelrod i think just in terms of of he's the guy who is the he's the plays guy he's the he's the strategy guy he's not the one that you're going to see in front of the cameras explaining although i know i see him on cnn all the time but that's, that's his strength. To me, that's Steve Bannon's strength. Is the He's the guy who can call the plays, but somebody else is going to be the quarterback on the field.
1: Exactly. The guy behind the guy, the puppet master. And couple that with the fact that he looks homeless. Well, President Trump on Thursday night came up with a new name for Steve Bannon. <laughs> Sloppy, Sloppy Steve. Steve. Which is perfect. So now who do we have? We've got Crooked Hillary. Oh, yeah. Little Marco, Little
3: Marco, Lion Ted, Lion Ted, Boring Jeb. I don't
1: remember what the Jeb was. I don't think Jebra. Jeb got a name. Jebra? Wow. <laughs> um, and Sloppy Steve. It's it's uh it's apropos. He is pretty sloppy. Just strange.
3: Uh, this group that was um, uh, called the Citizens of the American Republic was registered in Virginia, November twenty first. Uh, but beyond testing out a website, they really haven't done anything. Steve Bannon hasn't done uh, much with that group. There was also uh, Ed Rollins, a strategist for Great America PAC, said that the Trump-Bannon feud is going to mar- marginalize Steve Bannon, that what? the winner in all of this will clearly be President Trump.
1: One of my favorite things in, in the whole Trump-Bannon fight was a appearance by Anthony Scaramucci, former White House communications director on MSNBC yesterday morning. And he's basically urging Trump to welcome Bannon back into his good graces, Saying you can either excise him or shun him, which I don't think is the best recommended strategy, or tell him to knock it off and bring him back into the fold. And the MSNBC anchor, and her name escapes me right now, said, Mr. Scaramucci, this is a man who you said does something to his own penis. I think she even said the word, which I will not say. Did she really? On MSNBC. Wow. I meant to pull the clip. <laughs> but I heard it last I don't night. Know if
3: you'd be able to play it if you did pull it.
1: But she said that, and Scaramucci was like, "Uh, uh, uh. Well, what? I, I regret doing a phone interview with a friend that I thought I had had for 40 years or whatever. But I couldn't believe she said that. She called him out on it. When Scaramucci's up there on cable television saying, "Hey, I think Trump should welcome this guy back in," when Scaramucci said all that stuff about Bannon, it just it just shows you how twisted and sick and two-faced Washington is. It's just another example.
3: Well, and I thought that this thing was going to be over between the president and Steve Bannon because of what the president said. I mean, Steve Bannon went on SiriusXM and said, listen, nothing is ever going to come between us and President Trump and his agenda, and that he's a great guy. When the president was asked about it, he said, I don't know much about Steve. I don't talk to him very much, but just last night he called me a great guy, and I thought that was going to be the end of it. At least they would begin... Uh, or at least there wouldn't be any sort of contentious relationship between the two. And now it turns out that the president comes out and calls him sloppy Steve. Um, that to me, that's the indication that that's over, that that relationship. Any any political collusion between those two is done at this point. When we come back, Lana Zak is going to join us from ABC News. and We'll get the latest on what's going on in Washington as a result of the book that is involved in the center of all of this. This book called Fire and Fury, which hooked bookstores several days early after it came out in uh, the Guardian newspaper, all of the juicy excerpts about what goes on in the White House.
1: On Gary and Shannon. Yes. That. And it's
0: too late,
1: baby, now it's too late. Though we really did try to make it. Something your, fa- tried, your parents, big fans tried, of Carol King? No? Okay, so this, this song's probably out. Who's not a fan of Carol King? Well, you said big fan. Oh, okay, just, yeah.
3: I assume they're probably It wasn't like
1: Gary making music for them.
3: Uh, no, I don't think, and that's not, I don't know if they had my name in mind.
1: Author Michael Wolfe, the author of Fire and Fury this morning, went on the Today Show because the president has been trying to discredit this new book. And the author today told the Today Show, told Savannah Guthrie that uh, he was willing to say whatever was necessary to gain access at the White House. For me, that's a journalistic problem.
3: That uh, seems to be like an issue. Um, ABC's Lana Zak has been covering this uh, this story about this book and the fallout thereof. Lana, how are you doing?
4: I am doing great. I'm just wondering if you guys will still love me tomorrow.
1: Hmm.
4: Nice, <laughs> play.
3: Ah, there like we she, go. You know, that
4: was good.
3: It, it worked in rehearsal. It worked on air. Oh my good god.
4: Job. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> well, you know, that's actually perhaps a, pre- a question the president should be asking about Michael Wolf, since it sounds like uh, Wolf flattered his way into getting the president to talk to him. You know, on the Today Show, as you mentioned, he wasn't. Um, he was a little bit coy when he said that uh, he wouldn't deny that he flattered uh, the president. Um, but he also what, he said that that uh, the president might not have known that he was actually speaking to a reporter, but he did, in fact, speak to him, and it was never off of the record. So uh, that's, that's raised some eyebrows, but I think more of the eyebrows are actually being raised over what's being reported in that book, some of the really damaging quotes coming from former top aide Steve Bannon, who the president has lashed out against very publicly, now calling him Sloppy Steve. Well, we've
1: heard that... I'm you sorry, go, go
4: ahead.
3: Okay. No, it's your birthday.
1: Uh, oh, no. It's your birthday? No, it's Christmas? Gary's birthday. So. Well, happy birthday, oh, well, thank you. fellow yeah.
3: Capricorn. But I'll let – yes, I, I have the horns and the fish. Uh,
1: well, thank you, gentlemen, yes. for allowing me to go first. <laughs> uh, Steve Bannon called that meeting between Donald Jr. and the Russians treasonous. Okay, that was his opinion. That's kind mm-hmm. of damning, right? Um, but the other stuff, it's all kind of stuff. We already knew the anecdotal stories about the president so far, at least from what I've read about him being kind of juvenile and a narcissist and needing constant gratification and all that. We kind of all already knew that. Is there anything that was glaring to you that jumps out that could be damaging that maybe we didn't know about?
4: Well, the other part of, of Bannon's um, quote in when he's talking about that Russia meeting that took place at Trump Tower during the transition, uh, not just his assessment that it was treasonous um, and unpatriotic, but that he believes, he says, that, that uh, the president's son actually brought uh, those Russians to meet with the president himself, which would, which would contradict what the president has said about not meeting with anyone, not being involved in any of that. So far he has had uh, plausible deniability into some of the more, um, Damaging uh, revelations that have come out of the the special counsel investigation into uh, Russian interference in the Trump campaign, um, and so if that's true, that's something certainly that potentially has criminal uh, repercussions, or uh, or at least very uh, tremendous political repercussions in the way that some of the other name calling just doesn't. The other thing that I think people are will be interested in hearing is some of the um, discussion about the president before before the election and the members of his team and not actually wanting to become president, wanting to lose the election and thinking that that was going to be a win because it was going to raise his public profile. It would raise the profile of his uh, his family and that they would come away from it financially winners uh, without having to do the job of president. So that's all something that the White House is denying um, and uh, saying isn't in fact true. But uh, but has the rest of washington sort of questioning and wondering if that is in fact some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes
3: one of the uh, pushbacks that the administration has had and people from within the west wing is that this guy uh, michael wolf the author didn't really have the access that he purports to have had and we got an email earlier about records uh that are kept of people who come onto the white house grounds and leave etc and the time spent and who they met with etc is there any chance that that it will get to the point where those types of records would be brought out just to prove or disprove whether or not this guy had the access that he claims to have had?
4: Possibly. Uh, You know, it's... um what we have heard from the White House is that they are no longer going to be publishing those logs. Uh, they are not going to make it public, who has been um, granted access into the West Wing there. He says that he has spent a total of about three hours with uh, with Mr. Trump, both during the campaign and uh, transition and presidency, though the White House flatly denies that they ever had uh, any, uh, that he, he ever actually had any access to the president. They say that he made several requests and they were all denied. But again, the White House, House oftentimes won't produce the records to, sh- to, to uh, back up their case, but uh, we have seen this time and again that what they'll say is it's not true, it's false, and uh, and then they try and move on from there. So I I, I guess I, what I'm saying there, uh, Gary, is I wouldn't hold your breath to expect uh, to get actual logs.
1: Lana Zach, ABC News, great job. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you. Uh, one of the things she said about uh, about the president, about the things that have been uh, maybe exposed in this book, was something you and I talked about during the campaign. We didn't think he wanted to win. Oh yeah, I mean uh, we both we both had that thought at one time. Like I don't think he wants this. I think he's realizing how much work this is going to be, and how much this is already helping his brand. Just the exposure. And why would you want to have that job if you're already living, you know, the high life and everything like, you know, does he really care about all those people?
3: Plenty of things he would have to give up to become president. Right. Some of the things that he has already said he loves the most about being who we are, being Donald Trump, that he had to give up to become the president of the United States. Um, Yeah. So it'll be interesting. This weekend is going to be full of people who, you know, claim to know more than we do. By the way, if you've seen the excerpt from the book about the Gorilla Channel – I'm just going to say it's not true. Yeah. It's hilarious. That's not really in the book. Just if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. I'll just leave it at that.
1: The return of Steve Gregory. Who? When we come back to The Gary and Shannon Show.
4: Just another
3: Shannon, it is uh, Friday, in the 1 o'clock hour. We like to talk about movies. We also like to give away $1,000, and we will do that a little bit later. Well, we get to talk about movies usually on Fridays at this time. Uh, unfortunately, we're in a dead area of movie dumb because the only movie that opens this weekend of any real import is uh, Insidious, The Last Key. And what is that? It's a scary story about, uh, like, Long, creepy fingers that look like tree branches. I
1: have never heard of this.
3: You never heard of the Insidious movies? No. Uh, there's, I think it's like the third or fourth
1: one. And it's all about fingernails.
3: No, no, but that's what's in the trailer. Is like her, the creepy. It's usually a lady, like is haunting. Is it like an
1: Edward Scissorhands thing?
3: You're getting a little too deep into it. I don't know. Okay. It's supposed to be uh, great.
1: Is Steve Gregory our Insidious correspondent?
3: Yeah, what more, love, more like infamous. We'd love your Ooh. review of Insidious, The Last Key, go.
5: Haven't seen it. Okay. Well, uh, Thank you for your time. And anything with deep, long fingers, I don't care about.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, wow. Steve Gregory, uh, longtime entertainment correspondent for the stars and entertaining things. And you've been to many, many award shows. The reason we wanted to talk to you today specifically was this Weekend kind of kicks off our award season with the Golden Globes on Sunday night.
5: Well, of course, and this is gonna be a really important award show because it's the first major awards program of the season. But it's also the first award show since all of these sexual allegations started coming out. Are up. there
1: gonna be wild parties still? Were there wild parties to begin with? Or is it well, gonna be all Kool Aid and uh and and I don't know G- about that. G rated fair.
5: I would imagine that before you go to any party, though, you'll have to sign some sort of waiver or some sort of paperwork before really? you go to any party.
1: But that goes out the window. Those papers don't mean anything. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you know what? It's going to be interesting. They'll still there will still be parties. And Let me tell you something. The Golden Globes on Sunday. It's still a very very casual atmosphere because the booze is flowing like it is at any award show. Is but this the most casual in terms of the award shows? Yes. That we'll see in the next. Yeah, few. this one's this one's a little looser. Followed by the SAG Awards, and then the Oscars are pretty tightened up.
1: Have there been any complaints at awards shows? I'm trying to go back and rack my brain and try and think because there have been so many allegations that have come out. I don't think any have been at awards shows or award show parties. Mostly no, just you, stuff well, that happens hey, on a Tuesday. But you we,
5: can imagine that some of yeah, those I would things assume would that's there.
1: the thing. Like I would assume something. I don't think a lot
5: of it happens at the parties at the at the actual venue, like this being at the Beverly Hilton. A lot of parties are like Trader Vic's and at the other ballrooms and things like that. But typically, things like that don't happen. It's usually after parties. That's where all of the bad stuff usually happens. Is to the after parties? Do you go and, to those? Uh, I've only been a couple times in my career because most of the time I'm I'm still filing and I'm still working for the morning drive, so I don't really have the time to go back. But one year I was at a wine the Weinstein Company party. I think I'm still trying to remember. It was oh seven oh eight. I remember getting an invite to get into that party. And it was just you know you're you're kind of wide eyed because you're standing shoulder to shoulder with all these a listers and stuff like that and you're just you know some schleppy radio reporter walking around and wandering around. I didn't have don't anyone talk else. about
1: yourself like that.
5: Well, I didn't have any friends you're with not me. schleppy. <laughs> talk to handle. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, well, the king of schlep, that's schlep. Is, yeah, that is
2: casting schleppy. aspersions
3: on you.
5: Yeah, okay. But, uh, but you know, and, and then after a while you just feel a little overwhelmed. So I only stayed, I think I only stayed like 20, 25 minutes enough to get some free food and a drink. And then I left.
1: Did you see Harvey Weinstein? Yes, I did. How much I of him? Seen,
5: I saw, well, I saw the clothed version, ah. but I, you know, and I didn't talk to him or anything. There was no way he was total unapproachable completely. But, um, you know, somebody, but, but I was there under a different you know, for a different reason. I was just kind of an invited guest for a quick, for just a quick visit.
3: You weren't there to suck
5: up to him. No, I didn't yeah. have any reason to, to to be there other than just to observe. Because they, they, what they did is they allowed they would allow a handful of reporters to go in and observe and then go report on the party afterwards. Because the photographers are always allowed in there, like the Variety <laughs> and Hollywood Reporter types are always allowed in there. They love the pictures because that's, that's a big part of the story. But, um, but this will be an important uh, award show because this will be the first public venue that people have been able to speak this, that the. Hollywood elite and the A-listers and all the actors and actresses are going to be able to talk about things publicly to a worldwide audience.
3: Well, and I wonder how much of that is – politics has never been off the table in ter- in terms of the opening monologue. Uh, Seth Meyers is doing it this year, is right. going to host. Uh, the The politics have never been off the table when it comes to acceptance speeches, even though it, I think the, mo- the vast majority of people in the audience – I mean TV audience – Roll their eyes when they start getting into politics, even though the room itself may be more uh, appreciative of those comments. But this is it going to be a, um, in your opinion, do you predict that there will be more specific comments to like, we need to take care of our own house? Before we start talking about Washington, D.C., or we need to we need to make sure that we root out this problem before we start talking about injustice in America. Well,
1: and to that point, uh, Meryl Streep was doing an interview this week when somebody asked her about all the bill billboards that have been put up about ho- on Hollywood, Boulevard and the like that say she knew. And she deflected that by saying, well, uh, what does Melania have to say for her husband? Right. She went right to politics when someone asked her about the whole sexual harassment assault. Well, mess. I think,
5: you know, and you guys have probably done a, a great analysis on this already, but I, I feel having covered entertainment for many years that it's interesting that people were shocked. I mean, they're absolutely shocked within the industry, within the Hollywood community. They're absolutely shocked about what's going on because all of a sudden the focus is on them in a very, very bad light. And and they've been so quick to react politically and come out and talk against President Trump or any other administration in the past or whatever the case is. Now, all of a sudden, they have this focus and this spotlight on them. They don't know how to handle it. It's really weird for them to to, to deal with this. And you can tell it's really weird. I'm very interested to see how this is going to shake out on Sunday because I'm not – somebody's going to – someone's going to say something. Now, whether it's going to be on the TV feed or whether it's backstage where I'm at. And that's what's going to be interesting because the booze is flowing pretty good back there. And there have been times, I remember one year, Sean Penn came backstage and just started blithering about the war. And it was just like he had, I mean, I don't think he realized that we were recording everything he was saying. And he's holding a <laughs> drink in his hand. and, and going, that's, that's some of the best sound. And this, effing this, and effing that, and the war, you know, but you know, President Bush. And, you know, we're like sitting there recording, and taking notes. <laughs> we're like, okay. But that's, that's kind of where the true stuff comes out. So that's what I'm kind of excited about. Is the backstage Backstage stuff.
1: Well, is everyone going to be wearing black, all the women? Because I well, heard about this plan for them all to wear black at the Golden Globes in solidarity, in solidarity with sexual misconduct victims. Well, that's first going to of make all, for a very boring code, red carpet, well, Steve. Well, the dress,
5: dress code is black. It's formal. I mean, women are going to wear, you know, whatever outfits they wear. But typically it's a black formal occasion. You're supposed to wear black.
1: Well, no. Men are supposed to wear black, but women yeah. are. Are we going to gowns stop and...
5: the, the, I
3: know that when this came out, there were questions about the usual red carpet questions. Sure. There, you know, because usually women are asked, you know, who made your dress or who are you well, wearing I'll tell you, or your jewelry.
1: That's going to get old really quick if it's all doom and gloom on the red carpet. Yeah. So what's going to happen is
5: the, the way this works is a publicist is going to go down ahead of time. A publicist goes down and scopes out what outlets are on the carpet. Because the outlets' names are are taped to a, a sign on the carpet in front of where they'll that, stand.
3: That the hoi, we never get to see. Right, it's just so the people on that. The side.
5: publicists are going down, looking and making notes of who to stop at, and then they'll publicists will go up and say, "Listen, I have Meryl Streep for you, but she's only going to answer one question and it can't be about Harvey Weinstein or anything. Are you? Do you want her?" And they'll say, you know, yes or no, and usually they'll say yes. And, but they'll always try to sneak one in there. But, sure. but that's what they, the publicist is trying to do that. They don't want to completely ignore because that'll become a story. Yeah. If all these celebrities start walking down the carpet and no one stops to talk because they know they're going to be asked about it, that's going to be a story. Well, journalistically,
3: if you get up there and the publicist comes to you and says, Steve, listen, I've got Meryl Streep. she got one question. You have one question. It cannot be about Harvey Weinstein. What do you do?
5: I say, yes, I'll do it. And then I'll ask her, why did your publicist tell me I can't ask you about Harvey Weinstein?
1: Perfect. Really? That's a
5: legitimate question. Why? Why? Why can't you say something about Harvey Weinstein? Why was? Why was I prepped by your publicist? I mean, odds are I'll probably you'll never, never
1: work in this town again. No,
5: I'll never get to interview her again. Yeah. But I mean, but the question still stands. Why was I told and coached that I couldn't ask you about it? No. Yeah. I'm not asking you about Harvey Weinstein. I'm asking you why I'm told I can't. Steve, ask Steve, that's you about refreshing. It. You know? Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm an ethical journalist.
1: What the heck?
2: Mm. <coughs> yeah. <You> all right. <laughs> Come on over there. Come on now. Um, hey I now. I
3: did also hear that uh, a major talent agency canceled the Golden Globes party because they're going to said they said they're going to uh, s- send money instead right. to a legal defense fund for victims. Sure.
5: Sure. That's going going to see a lot of that happening
3: later this month, the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Mm-hmm. All of the presenters are going to be women according to what the Screen Actors Guild has said. Um wh- what are we what can we expect? I guess if there are comments that are made from some of these, from some of the winners, men or women. I mean, mm-hmm. there are going to be people there who are directly connected to any number of incredibly high-profile people, whether it's Louis C.K., Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein, um, Jeffrey Tambor, Dustin I,
5: Hoffman. I suspect you're going to get a lot of very generic comments if they if they say it all. I think a lot of celebrities are not going to even broach it. I, don't, I just don't. I think some of them are going to say it's just better to not say anything at all. Go up and say thank you very much, and 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 take my trophy and, and walk <laughs> away. Some may say something about it, but it'll be very generic. It'll be like you know, in a, in, a, in this tumultuous time, you know, we have to all pull together.
1: What are you, you wearing? Something wear? like that.
5: Yeah. Um, I'm wearing black and white. That's mm. what's required of me. <laughs> but um, but like I said, backstage will be the interesting part of it. But but that also could mean that no one goes backstage.
1: I was going to say, what if they just they, shut down? And they're not obligated. And, and no it, one's obligated. And I bet there are a lot of people who just won't
5: go. Well, they'll go. I think they'll go to, to, to support their project or their program or their movie. But they're not obligated by any stretch to, to come backstage or ask It might be
1: questions. interesting to find out who doesn't go. Like, that might be a good story. Whether just
5: because they're afraid to do it or, or in protest. worried about their own bottom yeah. or
1: they're connected to the other people i don't know Um,
5: but this will help set the tone for the other two big award shows being you know sags and then the oscars
1: do you wear the same suit to all of them
5: yeah it's the only suit i have and it's the only time of the year i wear it
1: okay i'm just curious
5: (laughs) and i never clean it why why waste the money
3: so, I, what if someone asked you, "What are you wearing?" what is the label It's say? called
5: stench.
1: Schleppy <laughs> may be actually uh, a good term for you if this is the case. <laughs>
5: the fact, stench. Uh, no, but uh, you know, this is also this is the only award show that serves booze free booze to the media. Oh boy! Well, that's a that's, that's a dumb a idea. idea. But I, then again, well, it is Hollywood foreign foreign press. press. That's yeah. the key to it because there are a lot of foreign journalists there. That, that are uh, drinking They're right used now. to that. They're used to drinking at 9 in the morning. They've started already. There are big buckets of bottled beer on ice for us every year.
1: What time does that start?
5: Um, I've got to be there at 1230, I think, 1231 o'clock. In the a.m.? No, oh. p.m. Okay.
1: 1230
5: p.m. <laughs> Check in, go through security, and then once I'm in there, I'm I, I'm stuck until the show's over. So
1: they're giving the media booze at, in the afternoon?
5: I think at 3 p.m. is when they start. They wheel in the food and the the catering and the booze. Side note to Shannon. I think the
3: applications for coverage are already closed. So I know where that was going.
1: No, I was just... No, I I, know.
5: But it's funny. I was
1: thinking... I thought you were going to be nicer in your old age.
5: But... Oh, yeah. Um, Happy birthday again, guys. Thank um,
1: you. (laughs) I was thinking about Nominations. When I said in the a.m. Because those are at like four in the morning or something. And you oh. know what?
5: Here's the thing. They do that. Uh, the Oscars did away with us going to the nominations. Last year was their first year doing it. It's all on webcast now. So we, don't even, get, we don't even get to go anymore. You don't
3: even get to or have to. Because I think at four in the morning, it's more of a have to.
5: It's like 435 because they have to East Coast feed. Because right. of the East Coast feed. That's smart. But we used to. I mean, that was a big thing for me. I'd go every every year at 435 in the morning. And because you get to sit there and report on it. And, but well, you're not an changing. early riser. Oh, God, no. It's not your but, um, wheelhouse. Yeah, that's why I only do it a couple times a year. But I, uh, you know, it, it's, I don't know, it's going to be very interesting. But, you know, it's interesting, you touched on something where everyone's doing their part. You know, they're donating money to this, or they're going to do that, or it's all females here. But you know what? Next year, it'll be whatever the new thing is next year. Well, a That's couple, the way
3: it is. A couple of years ago, the hashtag OscarSoWhite came right. out, and that became oh, a massive yeah. issue. And the, the Academy changed not just the way that they do things. They changed their membership. Right, And they changed the way that they were going to do things going forward. Um, whether or not people believe it made enough of a difference or if they, it was just simply on the right track, whatever it is, this is the opportunity for them to come out and say, this is how we're going to change or this or at least prove this is how our attitude about it has changed. Um, there was an interview I saw with Seth Meyers about it because he was talking about how many, I mean, never before has a, a, a host of a show like this had more material you know, to be funny and come out in the opening monologue and have so much meat to work with when it comes to stuff. Just stuff, everything. But can't. But can't. And that's my question is I want to know what, what Seth Meyers is thinking about. He said, he told People Magazine, going into it, our focus is far more on the worlds that make these films and less on anything that's happening in Washington. Okay, so Seth Meyers, do you honestly believe that he's going to sit there and make Kevin Spacey, Dustin Hoffman, Harvey Weinstein jokes And not get into politics and bring in the president.
5: And and let me tell you something. It's funny you say that because going back to uh, something Shannon said a moment ago when she was talking about Meryl Streep, that could be the only other way that they deflect from this is that it's all going to be about anti-Trump. And in that way, it relieves them of because I think they're going to they're going to probably want to do something where they all agree on it. And it's not as, as, as touchy and it's not as sensitive to them. He's going to want to get the whole room to laugh. Right. So it's going to be all about Trump. And I think the presenters and anyone that goes up there, it's going to be less about Weinstein yeah. and more about Trump.
1: That'd be really rich because, you know, it it was just last January when a lot of Hollywood put on their pink hats and went to Washington and protested America voting in somebody who said you can grab them wherever when you're a star. And in their own backyard, they had Harvey Weinstein and all of these dirt bags and doing just none that. Of those but this women why, said anything. This
5: is why I said they're having a tough time absorbing this and dealing with it, wrapping their head around it. Because that's a rocks because glass of, castle
1: because thing. Because
5: of the hypocrisy. I mean, that's, that's exactly the problem here. They don't know how to handle it. So what's the best thing to do? Deflect.
3: We're talking with Steve Gregory who's going to be at the Golden Globes on this Sunday about the way the politics are going to come into the award season. But I also have a $1,000 that I want to give away.
0: Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200.
3: All right, and don't forget, if you do enter the contest, they will call you if you win. You just got to make sure that you answer the phone. It might be from a number that you don't necessarily understand, uh, you don't recognize. But uh, if you don't answer the phone, they will not give you the one thousand dollars. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, of the politics and everything that go that go on with the award season and go on with uh, people getting into this, I think that if they spend too much time on the Washington politics of all of uh, of, of whatever goes on. It takes away, uh, or I should say, they squander an opportunity to prove that things have changed or that they but won't they stand haven't for
1: anything. Changed. But, but changed. and we talked they about care. that.
5: They don't care. They don't care. And you're talking about the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the Golden Globes. They don't care. I mean, that, that award show there is kind of looked upon as kind of the, if, if, of the three, that's probably the least respected award because, Which of, the, one was because it? of the methodology behind it.
1: Which one was it last year when Meryl Streep made her big uh, speech about Trump? That was Wasn't Golden That, the Hollywood that was Golden Globes. Yeah. Yeah, that was
5: Golden Globes because, she got her Cecil B. DeMille award and called right, them out. Right. Yeah. Because that's they, they're a lot looser. They're not less restrictive on timing and stuff there than they are, you know, at the Oscars. But um it I'm telling you, I think that think you're going to see I don't think you can see very many people comment on it. I don't think and if they do, it's not going to be that intense. And I think they're going to use Trump is a deflection. I, th- I just suspect that's where it's going to go because no one's ever told they can't talk about anything. Organizers tell them right up front, you can just the only thing they're worried about is just get off on time. That's right. it.
1: You know, the, the more I think about this black dress thing, the more I get upset about it. I'm mean, not really upset. is
5: it slack low
1: key upset? Exactly. You know, you didn't say anything. Nobody said anything for so many years and suddenly you're going to wear a black dress and look like you're uh, opposed to something. I mean, if you're going to make a message or, or send a message, stay home.
3: I'm I'm not concerned is not the right word. I'm interested to see what the red carpet looks like because they've lately, I would say in the last five, five six years. What if a lot it's a of, black carpet? They would never do that. They would never break from tradition that much because huh? I still think He's there's asking. people who has
1: a hot take. The hot take right there. I'm just gonna lay, I'm just gonna throw this out there. What if, what it's, if it's, a it's a black, black carpet? carpet? Well,
3: the, let me also ask this because because it is Hollywood foreign press, foreign press. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of uh, improprieties that some of these guys are accused of, mm-hmm. other countries they don't garner the the outrage that they do here.
5: That so is, is that it's it, an interesting point. But remember, the the awards are based in Hollywood. The You know the the program itself is is based in Hollywood. Their offices are here. They are a Hollywood institution. Their members are all over, spread out all over the world. But they still have. They're still a Hollywood commodity. And I don't. And they have to play by Hollywood's rules.
1: I don't think in many countries it's okay to do a lot of the things Harvey Weinstein did. It's one thing to sleep with your boss or whatever in France, who's forty years older than you. Not a big deal. But it's another thing to.
3: Physical abuse is a different...
1: Yeah. I don't think that's... I, I think that anytime you're going to do what uh, Harvey Weinstein did with somebody, it, no matter where you are in in the world, but, or at least 80% of the world, I was looking, it's, it's frowned
5: upon. I'm curious to see if there's going to be anybody that goes on stage and says anything about due process, about someone that's going to go against the grain, because that's happened before, You mean too. Matt Damon? <laughs> yeah, or whomever. Right. Someone's going to go up there and actually say something like, you know... We, not,
3: how about this? He's never been not, found guilty in a court of law. Not all men are bad. Only because right. the statute.
5: Who's who's going to? I mean, that could happen too. That someone could actually go up there and have the the the, the courage, or that whatever you want to call the courage, or at least the the cojones to do that. To say, you know, what I mean, we'll I'm start. Steve
1: Gregory, and I'm a nice guy. <laughs>
5: <laughs> you come from uh, from backstage, but I'm going to tell you something.
1: I got to tell you. But I am a good man. But
3: I'm man. not. <laughs> it's dirty, but I'm not. Meryl, Meryl, uh, Meryl, hold on. I'm going to let you finish, but I just want to Should I tell you about the know. time
5: that Renee Zellweger flashed a boob at me? Again? Sure. I've
3: heard that story seven times, Steve. Really?
5: No, actually. <laughs>
1: That's funny. And it was at the Golden Globes.
5: <laughs> She tripped on a cable when we were backstage, and she tripped on a cable. And when she tripped forward, she had just gotten her trophy, and she tripped forward, her right boob so fell out. So she didn't
1: really show it to you. You were gross, and you looked at I it. I looked at she, it. It, and, it fell out.
5: You
3: were gross and looked How
1: at it. How can I be gross? I was standing there. I had no choice. You avert your eyes. Like well, a gentleman. When, when it, let her look like that,
5: and she fell, I'm like, oh, are
1: you okay? Are you, let me help you.
5: Are you okay? And she, looks, she looked up at me in the red face. She goes, well, you got an eyeful. And I said, ooh, I didn't see anything.
1: And now you're talking about oh. it on the radio. Well, it's a long
5: time, long time ago. Statute of limitations, award statute of limitations. And he wouldn't
3: recognize <laughs> her face anyway, right? Now,
5: <gasps> what happened to her? What?
1: Gosh.
5: What? It's, I'm just saying. There's Dang. a lot of, there's a lot. She had a lot of stuff done. You know, I'll tell you, the, one of the most interesting places to be is backstage with the reporters because that's a great mix of, of um, like, politics. Mm-hmm. And they're not all, you know, they're not all, you know, in the Hollywood, kind of in the space. Like the year that, what um, was it, uh, Michelle Obama she was a presenter one year at the Oscars. Sure. And backstage, as soon as she showed up, a lot of people moaned. They groaned like, oh, God, <laughs> like that. And it was interesting. Wow. So I tweeted about it. I said, you know, most of the press room just groaned when Michelle Obama. And I got, I got beat up. Hollywood Reporter, I was back there, and I never heard any groans. I'm like, well, I don't know what room you were in. But, I mean, David Perez with us, was with me, and we were like, oh, that was funny. We, we couldn't believe really half the room groaned. So when people, when those stunts are happening on stage, the reporters are the one that react.
3: Uh, which award show will feature Rose McGowan as a presenter?
5: It, it'll have to be this one. It, it, I'm sure, if, if anything, it'll be this one. And I'm surprised we haven't, because we get press releases all the time about when they – sign up new presenters. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a really good question. And Perfect. how many more well yeah, but I don't will know, be but, presenters and how long will the standing ovation last?
5: Well, I don't know because you know she's isn't she bumping heads with um <laughs> she bumping heads with a couple bumping of heads act- with
3: everybody. Yes. Meryl Streep is one yes, of them. So I
5: don't know. It might be a little too much. They might not want that. I don't know. That's an interesting one, but if they do it, it'll, either, it'll be this one of the SAG Awards. They won't do Oscars. I don't think they'll do Oscars. No. No, because you can't – no, she has never won an Oscar. I think what the Academy Award –
3: the Academy is hoping is that they get all of this it's politics out, out of the, out the of way – uh, all of the the major minor award shows over the next couple of months get them out of the way before they have to do the Oscar. And
5: I don't know that that's going to be the case because the Oscar audience is still the largest one. Oh, of course, that's still the biggest venue. And
3: if you had something planned, I mean, if you're if you are a, an actor or an actress who is up and nominated for any of this stuff and is going to be at these different award shows, that's the one that you plan for. Ooh. That's where you would make your well, big splash.
5: Now the Golden Globes are on a network. They're on NBC. The SAGs will be on TNT, so that's cable, so that could be a little different, and then the Oscars are on ABC. So that has a lot to do with it, too.
1: Rose McGowan is pissed off about the black dress thing. She says, actresses like Meryl Streep, who happily worked for the pig monster, are wearing black at the Golden Globes in silent protest. Your silence is the problem, she writes. You'll accept a fake award breathlessly and affect no real change. I despise... You maybe you should all wear Marque is it Marquesa? Marquesa, the uh, designer that Weinstein's wife works for. Ooh. I despise huh. your hypocrisy. Maybe you should all wear Marquesa. Damn.
3: I'm You, could, you could buy a Marquesa suit. I can have a Marquesa suit. Hot.
5: Steve, thank you. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Good Make to see always. your face. And then, uh, if all works out, Monday we'll recap it. Excellent. Excellent. Have a great week and happy Thanks. birthday. Hope you get to do something fun. I uh, will see. Depends.
1: What, this isn't fun?
5: Something funner? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saving me.
1: Gary and Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can tell you've been hurt by that look on your face, girl. So God Am I having a good birthday so far? Your happy world.
2: So far. You need love, but you will afraid, afraid that Good, big
3: breakfast.
1: Yeah? What'd you eat? Bacon,
3: eggs, and toast with Dean Sharp's honey on it. Oh, that's nice. Is that Dean Sharp's honey?
0: Yes.
3: Dean Sharp's honey.
1: Have you gotten into a can of cranberry sauce yet?
3: Not since Christmas.
1: He says longingly. (laughs) Very good.
3: a good discount right now. Not that they're really expensive, you know, during Thanksgiving and Christmas.
1: Are you going to take a jog?
3: Yes, I will a little bit later. I gotta. I just got to work out. I'm sweating now because of that pizza that we ate.
1: How much did you eat? That
3: was only five pieces of pizza.
1: Oh, that's not bad.
3: How many did you eat? Two. Liar. So it's really cold on the East Coast. Super cold. We've told you about uh, Bomb Cyclone and the fact that the barometric pressure dropped like a bomb mm. over the course of 24 hours and caused problems up and down the East Coast. We're talking about temperatures as cold as 30 below and that's without wind chill international falls is that minnesota international falls they said 26 below will be the the low temperature tomorrow morning
1: schools closed businesses closed airlines canceling flights left and right rail service cancellations reductions ferry services had to be shut down along the canadian coast i mean Flights are resuming along the East Coast. There were hundreds canceled yesterday. I feel like a total shutdown's okay for a day. Sure, you know, but it's once you get into uh, a week where people start running short on food and things.
3: <laughs>
1: short on food. you need those. You need food.
3: Uh, they said that at least seven people have died in weather-related accidents. Um, four people in North Carolina and South Carolina when they ran off of snow-covered roads. Another fatality near. De- uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. when a car couldn't stop at the bottom of a hill and slammed into a commuter train. Uh, in Virginia, a girl is hit by a pickup truck while sledding. 75-year-old man hit by a snowplow. I mean, ba- winter weather types of, of deaths, unfortunately. Still
1: going to be cold this weekend. New England, temperatures will be below zero. The high in Vermont, Burlington, Vermont, minus five degrees for the high.
3: And I would have loved it. We talked about wild card weekend for football. There's no real weather issues this this um, weekend because the game in Kansas City tomorrow is going to be you know low to mid 30s. That's not a big deal. And then I think the game in Jacksonville, the temperature will be in the 40s. Although
1: it's, yeah, it's 48 right now in. Jacksonville. That's
3: cold for Jacksonville, but it's not a cold football game. No. Now speaking of Florida, there is a. Uh, a columnist for the Palm Beach Post who woke up to 40-degree weather, which, again, it's not horribly cold, but for Florida, is probably a bit chilly. He said he was greeted by a frozen iguana lounging by his pool in Boca Raton.
1: He shares the photo on social media, then asks the likely question, what do you do should you awake and there be a frozen iguana in your pool? Just, well... By the pool. What would you do? In the,
3: if he was in the pool or the, by the pool? In the pool. He's in the pool. I get the little pool thing and I pick him up and I put him over by the tree. Because I would assume, well, I wouldn't make any assumptions. I guess if he's not moving in the pool and he's kind of floating upside down. Have you ever seen an iguana, iguana swim? No. Okay, so I don't know what I would do. I would just put him over by the tree, give him a few hours to dry out, warm up, and Maybe see what happens. Maybe give him some food? No.
1: In South Florida, they say it's raining iguanas because green iguanas, like all reptiles, are cold-blooded. So they become immobile when temperature falls to a certain level. Not dead, just immobile. Yeah. Under 40 degrees, their blood doesn't move a hell of a lot. Then they like to sit in the trees and then it gets cold enough and <laughs> all out. frozen iguana in your pool. <laughs> uh. Don't pick them up, they say.
3: Now, the guy, the, this columnist, again, who originally wrote this, said uh, he didn't move, the, the iguana, that is, but he's still probably alive. My experience is they take a while to die. Iguanas have a good chance of thawing them out if you move them out into the sun. But Although once experts, they
1: start warming up, they get aggressive.
3: Well, yeah, you've ever you never woken up somebody after they come out of a nap? They can be a little sleep-drunk aggressive,
1: right? Yeah. Why are you looking at Well, that? I just heard you're... Your wife's here, and she's pointing to you when you said uh, sleep drunk aggressive coming out of a nap.
3: Angry face, yes, angry. but not aggressive. See I have it. not
1: in, see the angry face. more
3: than like three or four times ever thrown a punch.
1: Will you do the angry face? It's
3: You do it. I, I don't know how to do it. Oh, it's I, I, eyebrows. I just woke up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, okay.
1: <laughs> just like Gary, like any wild animal, awaking from a nap. The iguanas try to defend themselves. There was a guy, for they example. furrow their eyebrows.
3: <laughs> there was a guy, for example, who several years ago when uh, Florida went through a similar uh, deep freeze, if you want to even call it that, a deep 40s, uh, a guy collected these sleeping iguanas and put them in the back of his station wagon. Then they all started waking up at the same time. Oh, oh boy. And be, and got aggressive and started crawling on his back, and he causes a wreck.
1: I would point. watch that movie. <laughs>
3: Many pythons are reported dead, floating in the Everglades. Um, again, not all of them are dead. They just become immobile because of the, uh, the temperatures. So when we come back, I have to play for you. The douchiest I think I've ever heard, Alex Trebek.
1: That is a high standard, and my friend. And I don't mean to
3: say that because I know he has just undergone surgery, and I, I wish him well.
1: His picture should be in the dictionary when you look up condescending.
3: Oh, that, that's a better way to put it. And we wish him well.
1: We do wish surgery. him well. Sometimes, sometimes I watch just to hear him correct people.
3: Yeah, uh, this is a great correction. All right, mm-hmm. that's coming up next on Gary and Shannon.
1: Oh my gosh, you guys, I think we found it. Gary and Thanks to Shannon Hoffman in uh, here. Knock Three Times is the name of the song. Right. And what Shannon says, Gary has two sisters. Knock Three Times, the third time is when Gary's made.
2: They took it as a command?
1: I don't yes. know. Yeah. Potentially.
2: So that means this song was played oh my all goodness. three times?
1: This is why
2: I woke up this morning. Wow.
3: Well, first of all, I want to say uh, we wish a speedy recovery to Alex Trebek. Uh, I had to undergo... (laughs) Why are you (laughs) laughing? Not because of what I'm about to say. But Alex Trebek had to undergo uh, a quick surgery.
1: Blood clots on the brain. Yeah,
3: subdural hematoma. Two days in the hospital. He says he was home to start recovery. Uh, Complications... From a fall, actually, that took place back in October. So he went to Cedar Sinai on the 15th, underwent the operation, was in the hospital uh, for just a couple of days, and is going to take a break from Jeopardy for a while. But on Monday night, there was uh, an interesting thing. There. <gasps> See,
1: I knew that she was. There. Happy birthday to you. I don't want to sing into the microphone. Happy birthday to you. Gotcha. Oh my God! Happy birthday, dear husband! Happy, birthday. Dear Happy oh. birthday to you! What is Thank that? You. It's like a that?
3: box of treats.
1: Yeah. Oh my! And there's goodness. like
3: cookies and
1: donuts oh and rolls of some kind. Gosh, your butt just got so much bigger!
3: <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's, I already blew the candles out, Oscar. You can't take a picture now.
1: That is so Oh, and something cool. covered in foil. Oh, what's that? I don't know. But is that it looks an like, edible?
3: Uh, it's a black and white cake witch.
1: That sounds like chocolate pot. cake
3: sandwich with <laughs> vanilla buttercream and crunchy chocolate pearls coated in.
1: Oh my gosh! Chocolate. That's amazing. Thank you very much. That's amazing. Thank you very much.
3: Uh, we may have to give some to Alex Trebek. Yes. Just when he, you know, so he recovers from surgery. Alex Trebek
1: again. will uh, be back to correcting people just as soon as he has recovered. He's doing good. <laughs> he put a video up on his web page. But uh, you alerted me to a great correction from Alex Trebek last week on Jeopardy. The category was
3: music and literature before and after afters, where you combine well-known entities to create a new phrase. And I'm going to read to you the clue. Okay. All right? All right. A song by Coolio from Dangerous Minds goes back in time to become a 1667 John Milton classic.
1: Fantastic Voyage of the Seas. No. Nick, what is Gangster's Paradise Lost? Yes.
3: Gangster's Paradise Lost. What is Gangster's
1: Paradise
2: Lost?
3: Everybody knows that, right? That's very simple. Gangster's Paradise, the Coolio song, Paradise Lost by John Milton.
1: As I walk through the valley, that one? Yes. Okay.
3: Nick wins, I think sixteen wins thirty two hundred dollars or something like that on that clue, uh, and they go to commercial break. Comes back, and Alex breaks this to him.
2: Our judges have reevaluated one of your responses a few moments ago. Nick, you said gangsters instead of gangstas on that song by <laughs> Coolio, so we take thirty two hundred away from you. So you are now in second oh, place. Man. Lisa, you have oh, and, the lead, and he lost the lead He's as like, a result of not that. Not
1: gangster, it's gangst. Duh.
3: Duh.
1: That is so not gangsta, Alex.
3: No, very, very uh, I didn't understand why the Jeopardy judges would not have accepted gangster instead of gangsta. But such is
1: life. I think you should eat something from your um from your birthday treats box. I will afterwards. Okay.
3: Afterwards. In the meantime, Johnny wait, wait, Ken up next. Wait, wait,
1: wait, what? We have to go over our lessons that we learned. For oh, today. that's right,
3: life lessons from the show today. We were going to life do this lessons now.
1: from the show today. Yeah. Number one, don't take powder from the man in the bunny suit. Okay, that's easy. Number two, right? Don't eat Cadbury eggs that have fingerprints on them.
3: Strong life lessons. We'll see you on Monday. Stay dry, everybody. Gary and Shannon side studio.
1: Why are you knocking it if you haven't tried it? I don't know
3: if I would guarantee the STD free.
1: Yeah, I feel like that means we have STDs when you write that.
3: Yeah, I would imagine that would be All
1: right, here we go. (laughs) Looking
3: back on the year that was, I realize I've saved thousands of dollars on my electricity bills with the SolarMax with the...
1: You got to go down your checklist. Like, Solar Max's $69 a month offer checks that box for the best value.
3: That was a background boom. Here we are in the new year. I look back and I have saved thousands of dollars on my electricity bills with SolarMax technology. I went through all the decision-making processes, including having a check, words, and lots of things.
1: Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon Show.
3: We'll check in on the East Coast to talk about the bomb cycle.
1: I'm I- I- That was funny. Coming up later on the Gary and Shannon show.
3: We're going to check in on the East Coast on the progress of the bomb cyclone.
1: Bam. That was stupid. Yeah. This
0: has been Gary and Shannon's side studio (laughs) show. Stay tuned for more outtakes and bloopers. (laughs) Stay outtakes and bloopers. Oh, (laughs) you know what I'm saying. We're going to keep scrolling up.
4: Well, that's all the time we have. Join us next time on
0: Gary and Shannon.